Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by Orlando Homes Express, brokered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit WeSellOrlando.net. What's happening tonight, fans? Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez with you. We are so stacked for this show. Um, most interviews I think we've ever done for one show in history, and it's a good thing we did because what a weekend, man. And we're heading into another crazy weekend. Um, college game day was here. UCF got the victory over Cincinnati. Um, and, uh, and obviously we'll talk about that. We'll talk to, we'll talk to a bunch of people who we met over there, um, who are you going to want to hear from? We got the list for you in just a second. Uh, and then we're also going to preview the war on I-4, UCF against uh, South Florida on Black Friday. Once again, Eric Lopez, what was your favorite part of uh, college uh, of the college game day um, experience at UCF? College game day. Well, it's a real tough debate between Maury Povich coming back from uh, oh, to relevance and a major powerhouse. Um, but no, I mean – it was just kind of fun to be there the whole – I mean, I was there Friday with media availability with the game day crew. Then I was there for college football live and then game day. And just the great support, the great turnout by the fans. And not only that, but I thought the fans behaved great. They had great atmosphere. I think ESPN was impressed. I think they were pleased with the turnout. And I just thought overall it was kind of fun. It was fun to see some old faces there. And I – I just think it's a landmark day I, I in that university on campus. Um, it's a significant day, and uh, it did very well television ratings-wise, as you can read on Black and Gold Banneret right now because I wrote about it. And I, I just think overall everything pretty much uh, went as well as you could imagine it would. It was just uh, – it's a day that and – and I said this last week, and I'm going to stay with it. I you know, I know uh, as good as the game was and, and, you know, the the atmosphere was tremendous. It was loud and and no question, a big crowd. I still think 10, 20 years from now, people will remember the college game day and and they might remember sort of the football game, but they won't remember much about the game itself. They'll remember about game day. They'll remember about Lee Corso. Uh, It's just tremendous. Well, it was every bit as incredible as I thought it would be. And then some, and, um, you know, it was always my hope that it was one of those things that, you know, you always think that it would happen one day, but you never really think it's just a pipe dream. Right. And then all of a sudden to actually see it happen and come to fruition. I'm thrilled that, you know, to have been a part of that and experienced it firsthand and to see everyone that was there it was just an amazing time. So, by the way, I totally forgot the rest of our introduction. We are black and gold banneret dot com. 
uh, SB Nation is home for UCF uh, sports. Um, the uh, as far as uh, following us on Twitter, you can follow us at UCF underscore Banneret. You can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon, uh, Eric Lopez Elo as well. And uh, we also have uh, you can also uh, follow us or actually subscribe to this podcast on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and tune in. All right, so the whole hoopla with College Game Day coming in, uh, it started all on Friday with um, College Football Live, which we saw you there in the background. Right. Eric, you and Vic were there, and then uh, and then Saturday morning we came in, and it was, it was a cold morning, but it was busy, and we had, um, and it was an amazing time. Um, like I said, you know, we're, we're not going to give you the audio highlights because you can find, you can see the evidence of it on our site, blackandgoldbanneret.com, where we, I collected the best, uh, moments from, uh, from the show on, uh, on YouTube. Thanks by the way, to the American athletic conference for making those clips available. It was really something, no word yet on attendance, um, on memory. Well, you're not going to get one. You're not going to get one. Well, you, don't you can really, get, I talked to you can get estimates though from local news agencies. I haven't seen anyone anyone put together a really uh, solid. Um, it was a great estimate. crowd. It was it was it was crowd. a very good crowd. They said that they may have set a record for signs. Which... Yes, they have seen never seen that many signs. From what I was yeah. talking to people at ESPN, that's all very accurate. Uh, no, it was tremendous. It was a success. And on this show, what's going to be cool about it? Uh, we did some interviews during college game day that we can air now. We can't air them live, obviously, <laughs> right. but we can air them now. And we, we and it was cool to get a lot of different perspectives uh, uh, from that day. And then, oh, by the way, there's a football game we got to get ready for. It's rivalry yeah. week, supposedly this Friday on Black Friday when uh, we take on South Florida. So we got this is a, one of the bigger, bigger shows here uh, that I can remember we're doing because we we're, we're pretty much covering it on all bases. Yeah. So. When we got there, you know, we were in the media holding area, and the good part about that is you get to run into a lot of people who, you know, are not just, you know, working for UCF, but are also, you know, good friends of ours for a while. And it takes the logistical lift it takes to put on a show like College Game Day on a campus like UCF. It, you just never really fully appreciate how much goes into it until you actually see it in person, and then you talk to the people who were there. And um, and we got the chance to see it, you know, all the moving parts to it. And it really is an incredible experience. If you get to go see it at any college campus, um, if you didn't get the chance to see it at UCF, make sure you go see it. But one of the guys that I wanted to talk to is an old friend of ours, Eric Lopez, um, Jimmy Skiles, the associate AD for brand advancement. Well, let me tell you, this was a brand advancement exercise if there ever was one. Uh, in college game day, and uh, and and Jimmy st- uh, stopped with us for just a little bit, and uh, and discussed some of the the logistical challenges that went into it, and then seeing the finished product uh, come to fruition. So um, here's our discussion about college game day with Jimmy Skiles, the associate AD for brand advancement for UCF athletics. All right, well I'm here with an old friend of mine. We go way back, and now way look back. at look at look at what he has done here. I mean. College game day on campus. The marketing genius has made it happen. Jimmy Skiles. What's up, dude? I don't know if I've made it happen. I think 22 <laughs> wins in a row have, uh, have made it happen. So yeah, well, if, if it was up to me for this to happen, it would have been back in 2002 when this was a dirt parking lot. I know, right? You used to park here too, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... So when I was a basketball manager at the old arena, this was my go-to spot. Right. And you knew that if it rained, 
take a shuttle or walk yeah, back you to were, your dorm. You were you stuck here for probably three days. Yep, and then you remember when it hadn't rained, right. and it was a dry dirt, there'd be a little, a little uh, dust storm, little tornado things going yeah. by. and So going back and forth to the old... Uh, to the old arena, which seemed like a mile, I two know, miles away from yeah. anything else. is unbelievable. What, um, I mean, you and I, we went here to school at the same time. And we always, I think, I think we always knew that one day, maybe this could happen. Yeah. Now, to see college game day here at UCF, what does this mean for the school and also you as some not just someone who works here as an associate AD yeah. but also as an alumnus I mean it's unbelievable I was having a conversation with uh, one of our head coaches this week and we talked about how UCF is the type of place that attracts people who want to make things like this happen for the first time whether it's a student I think Jeff like when you and I were in school like we saw what this place could become back then yeah. we had other opportunities that we could have gone other places and we chose to come here and, and I think we're still starting the people who are here, the student athletes who are here, the coaches that are here, um, are all part of the, the the vibe that it's more fun to build. Something Danny says all the time: it's more fun to build than it is just to go and follow tradition. Yeah. And I mean that's what we're doing. I mean every football game, what people are doing out at their tailgates, people are creating their own traditions that people are going to be doing a hundred years from now. So this is game day's first time here, and it's unbelievable. Like I was walking up here in the dark today, and I couldn't help but get a little misty eyed. <laughs> I know, man. Uh, and it, but I, I'm still I, fighting it off. Yeah, it, this will not be the the last time it's here. Well, um, tell me about the week of preparation that you and everybody in the office have been doing to make this happen. Well, it started. Um, I mean, it started really when we knew that there was a chance it was coming before the before the Navy yeah. game. So because they kind of reach out to everybody a little bit before yeah. they kind of give you a heads up that hey, we might come. Yep, here. they give you a heads up and they don't tell you what other schools are in play or how many schools are in play. But we we figured that. Us beating Navy and uh, Cincinnati take care of, taking care of business put us in a good position. So um, right after that, uh, and then we, we got the announcement, um, kind of found out uh, uh, really when everybody else did. We knew that it was the that we were up there, that they were just trying to decide between a few places. And uh, once it happened, like the wheels were in motion right away. Um, people from game day were here on uh, Sunday afternoon yeah. and scouting campus, going around and finding the spot. And I mean, this was, uh, there's, there's so many beautiful places on campus, but this was a no-brainer for what it's become. Yeah. So, there's a football game tonight. <laughs> ABC, primetime, the stage. What does this mean for what is the game itself not just this but what is the game what can the game itself mean for UCF I mean it's just uh, I uh, uh, President Whitaker tweeted out yesterday that this is the the last or yesterday was the last day that UCF was America's best kept secret and so this this commercial this three hour commercial that's happening right now and then the broadcast tonight ABC Saturday Night Football you got Fowler and Herb sold out stadium rocking it's gonna be unbelievable and I think that we provide such a different, and what I think the future of college football, college atmosphere is that, uh, uh, unfortunately, the, the days of 100,000 seat stadiums and stuff like that, I mean, you see it in Major League Baseball and all across, what people are downsizing. Yeah. So I, I think that the atmosphere that, that we have is just so different, and I think that attracts a lot of people, and I hope attracts a lot of viewers to be like, what the heck is happening there? 
Yep, that's what I've been saying for years, is that the thing that you and I and everybody else have been screaming all over the place about UCF for years, now everyone sees it and the secret's out. Jimmy Skiles with UCF Athletics. Uh, where can people reach out to you, Jimmy? Uh, on Twitter, at Jimmy Skiles. The email address is on UCFnights.com. But um, thanks for uh, all the people that are, that are making this one of the most special days in UCF history. Have fun, buddy. Enjoy it. All right, man. All right, once again, that was Jimmy Skiles uh, from UCF Athletics who, gosh, someone put out on Twitter a picture of uh, the old uh, men's basketball poster from 2003, and Jimmy was a student with the the Rowdy Knights on there. And, like, I mean, I knew Jimmy. Jimmy was part of our student broadcasting career at the time, and to see the work that he's done in making this happen, it was, like I said, it was always one of those things that, you know, we were all like, man, wouldn't it be cool if this happened at UCF one day? And we're like, yeah. You're like, nah, it'll never happen. And then all of a sudden it happens, you know, in twenty eighteen and it's and it's really something. But um but yeah, I it, it, we Eric, you and I see these folks within the marketing and communication side of UCF Athletics all the time. And the work that they did this week is just I don't know how long you could possibly give a standing ovation and have it be really enough for what they did this week to pull this off. Yeah, I mean, they were obviously working on the, the as you as he broke it down there in the interview and and in depth and look, this was huge. This was a big step. They knew what was a you know what this meant and and they want to make sure to get it right and they got it right. I think, uh, you know, and Jimmy and I talked to Jimmy. You know, I mean, Jimmy's been to game day before, uh, you know, and they were they were prepping for this. I mean, this didn't just happen in a whim. I, I think you always prepare a just in case type of situation. So they, you know, they they had experience with people that have been to game day. They had a, an idea how things work, and I think everything was very good and it was fantastic. Now let me let's clear something up here because this has been a, a topic that's been addressed, uh, been asked on social media. I was asked about it on the, later that day, uh, so I want to clear this up once and for all because I don't know why people have these. Some good of these luck ideas. with that. <laughs> so so let's just state for the record. UCF did not pick Maury Povich for the celebrity guest picker. Let's get that out of the way. Yes. They did not pick him. And that was not ESPN's first choice. I would dare to say that was not ESPN's second choice. That was not ESPN's third choice, fourth choice. You get the point. <laughs> Unfortunately, okay. So stop getting mad at email, tweeting or messaging at UCF or even ESPN. Why Maury Povich? If you didn't like Maury Povich. Um well, it's one of the, it's one of the downfalls of having to put together a show like this on such short notice because legit they don't actually know no they don't know for sure that it's going to happen until about a until the week beforehand and right. now they, so, now they send right, scouts right. out to sort of like be prepared and here's what you can do to be prepared but you don't actually know for sure and so you know and sometimes when you're putting stuff together stuff falls through and it was right, kind of like, the, it, to me, it was the only blemish, if you could call it that, um, on on the whole thing. And Maury Povich is Maury Povich. Maury's really good on TV, and the son, and of course, being the son of the great Shirley Povich, long time, the guy who basically um, invented modern sports writing, if you will. Um, yeah, who's a diehard Maury, fan of Game Day? Yep. Friends with Lee Corso has always Maury wanted knows, to come on. Maury, to his credit, knows his stuff. Is he the first person you think of when you think of UCF? Of course not. But all things considered, it could have gone a lot worse. <laughs> well, by the way, I mean, and I warned people about this. 
they don't necessarily go after somebody with the ties to the school. I mean, when they were at TCU earlier this year for game day, they had Roman Reigns, the WWE superstar, was the guest picker. Uh, when they were at Michigan, they had the Chainsmokers, the band, on. So now look, let's let's here's what happened. The Griffin brothers were the number one choice for both parties. And as of Tuesday or Wednesday, as I was told, they were, you know, they were locked into doing it. And what happened was, I think Pete Carroll or somebody with Seattle, I think, said we're going to have a team meeting on Friday after the Thursday night game. And, well, guess what? Now he can't come. And it turns out the Griffins couldn't come. So I think what happened was it was going to be the Griffin brothers. Uh, but once they couldn't make it, which we I don't think the parties knew about it until late Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, now you're scrambling mode to try to find other people. And that's not so easy to find somebody on that short of a notice to come down here to do it. Um, I can tell you they, that ESPN reached out to LeBron James that have confirmed that from the, not in, through different people. Um, and that was nip and tuck. They reached out to Shaq as a Friday. It looked like they might've been Shaq, but it didn't work. It fell through. Um, and so they kind of went to, okay, who do we go to here in the, in the last hour here? You know, you know how you like to phrase the emergency podcast. Yeah. Well, they needed they an, emergency an emergency guest, guest list. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> And it happened to be Maury Povich on that. So that's all I'm going to say about it. I'm not going to get into it much more detail than that uh, because certainly I've addressed in the past on this show about how I think we could do more things to honor our past alumni. And I think that could have helped in this situation perhaps with certain things. But it is what it is. I don't think it was that big of a deal. I'm, I laugh about it because I don't take this stuff seriously. And you know, Maury did his thing. At the end of the day, no one's going to really remember that as much as I think they're going to remember more Lee Corso being in a nitro suit i think it'll that's be, be yeah it'll, it'll kind of be funny by the way uh, keep an eye on black and gold banneret because i'm going to have a very interesting feature about that coming up um a little bit later um this week but um you know it, it, again all things considered it, it was again uh, what an infomercial for ucf all friday and saturday i mean you got to see the passion of the fan base you got to see the, um, the 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 beauty of the campus. You know, there were a lot of kids that were uh, you know high schoolers that were snowed in in the Northeast and the Midwest this weekend that had no choice but to watch College Game Day. And where are they? Oh, they're at UCF. Oh, that's cool. This make- wow, is that place beautiful? So we got highlights of that um, as well. And if you were in the UCF community, um, man, you get to see your you get to see your little baby all grown up, right? And, you know, we've known, uh, Eric and I have known Eric Kohler for, well, since we've been here. Um, Eric, of course, graduated, you know, before us. He graduated in the mid-90s. And um, and talk about a guy who's seen it really grow up. And uh, and lo and behold, we ran into him uh, over at the College Game Day area. And, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, and, and, he shared his perspective on seeing UCF grow from when he showed up on campus to what he saw um, with us on Saturday. So here's uh, our discussion with um, the the in-house voice of the Knights himself, Eric Kohler. All right, Lopez and I are here now with uh, the guy who started it all. He founded the university. <laughs> he, uh, uh, he, he actually built the Classroom One building all by himself. <laughs> Eric okay. Kohler, yes. public address announcer for oh, UCF, the voice of the Knights in the arena, in the stadium. 
and uh, host of his own radio show, EK Sports, on 96.9 The Game. What's up, dude? What's going on, man? Talk about hashtag energy. This Can is you awesome. believe this? It's unbelievable. Okay, now let me ask you a question. Surreal. I'm going to take you back to September of 2001. Yeah. When I was this wet behind the ears kid with a bad haircut doing doing play by play for UCF volleyball. Yeah, and your hair's and got you better. Were the P- <laughs> and you were the PA announcer. Yeah. And we're and we're watching this team win a bunch of matches in an in a mostly empty arena. Yeah. To go from that moment, which was really my first UCF sports experience as a student, as a student, to this now, wow. what do you think about how, how far we've come as a university? Well, man, I just you just throwing back right there. That, that's just an amazing reference right Seven, there, 17 man. years ago. Can you believe it? My goodness. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And that sound system was rocking there in that arena, yeah. huh? I, th- I don't I think I should have brought my Mr. Yet. Microphone. Right? I should have had my Mr. Microphone. I got I got a new PA system at home that was better than that thing. But but you know what? To that story, to that point right there, that just shows how far we've come that, that you continue to find a way. Elo finds a way. I've found a way to go from that point that's kind of laughable looking back to be like, look at this. I mean, college game day is here front and center. And it's it really makes you feel really proud as an alum. And I, you know, and you have a great perspective. You were here a student back when yeah. I don't know if Division One was the goal. That was the goal to get 90, to Division. Yeah, ninety six. We were Division One. That's yeah. when I first started coming to school here. Yeah, and so you independent. Mac in football, Conference USA. Maction. The venue, which is now for volleyball, used to be the basketball arena, as Jeff mentioned. I've tried to tell the fans, and I know people get upset with comments in the playoff system, but do you think, can you appreciate this moment and what it means for this university and this athletic department and the fact that we've literally now have college game day in our back right, right here on campus in Memory Mall, which didn't even exist when we were starting to go to school here. You know, Elo, that's a great point. You know, to answer your question real simple, UCF has arrived. And this just shows we know that we've arrived, but now we're finally getting the acknowledgement and the recognition from a national standpoint. And that that's what really validates what I see in front of us today, Eric. And I think that's, that's a great point. I mean, look, look at this. I mean, the way this is set up the Memory Mall, it's set up almost like an inauguration, like a Capitol Hill of a, for a presidential thing. Yeah. I mean, it's set up absolutely perfect. And I, it's just, it's great that the fans are finally getting behind it. But to your point, these references historically, it, it does get a little upsetting at times when you get get the kids that this is the new norm. Yeah. I, this wasn't the way it wasn't. It wasn't bright and shiny all the time. And, and that's the biggest thing that... Uh, Right. But but isn't isn't that a good thing though when you oh, think about absolutely. it you know that, that the standards have been raised like these Correct. kids are coming to a school that's a you know I was th- I was telling everybody earlier that you know the narrative coming out of this three hours is not going to be UCF deserves to be in the playoff unfortunately right. but the narrative is going to be hey everybody listen. UCF is a power school. Yes. There's no doubt about it. They are a power school. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a great point. You said it earlier as we were waiting for credential pickup. And the bottom line is that, you know, the narrative here is going to be exactly to that point is that UCF is for real. Forget of where your alignment is of what conference. And we have to show the utmost respect for the American Athletic Conference. I mean, there's a lot of good schools. And we're going to see a very good Cincinnati Bearcat game. I mean, this is a big part of it. Tonight, we need to win the ball game tonight, or yeah. all this really doesn't matter in terms of this capture of time moment. Yeah, no, got to right. capitalize. Got to capitalize. I definitely would agree with that. 
Uh, but you mentioned, I mean, we used to be in the Citrus Bowl with eighteen thousand people. Oh, yeah. We had the. We used the, to be happy if we got yeah. five, if we got five figures. Remember that? Yes. And you've traveled to a lot of these marquee oh, events. Yeah. I want you to. I know it's just 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 game day alone. Where do you rank this as far as all UCF events? Because you've been to the bowl games. You've been. Yeah. You've seen the NCAA. You know. Where do you rank this event this day right here? Uh, compared to all the stuff you've been around with the Fiesta Bowls, the Peach Bowls, all the you know the NCAA tournaments. I mean, where do you compare and rank this game day as far as on your list here? Well, I mean, there's you know that's a tough one to do the rankings, but you know this is really at the top. I mean, you got to think of the Fiesta Bowl was a special moment. You know that 2005 season when O'Leary was here and we snapped yeah. a 17 game losing streak. To me, that was a and time. tossed the goalposts in the reflection. No, and I have I have part of that goalpost in my sports room. I actually nice. looked at the other day. You do? Yeah, I did. I really do. And I, I think that was a moment, not to take away from this, because that's when I finally felt that when we had like an O'Leary coach, which was a name, we started division, you know, one football in 96. That was a big turning moment. But this one, I think, is at the top of the list because now we have arrived in terms of the nation because you got to have the pundits. you got to have the talking heads. This is a 10-year Emmy Award winning show. So there's a lot of lobbying influence. You get these talking heads to start understanding why we were clamoring. I think this would be top of the list. But there's yeah. so many special moments, and it's nice to know that I was part of some of those special moments. But don't you think, too, this will help? Because you travel, Jeff travel. I've traveled with UCF yeah. teams. Yeah. There's always these misperceptions out there. Wait, well, where's not. UCF located? Correct. Yeah. Is it right. People think it's such a small, like, small they think it's a school. small directional yeah. school. Don't, yeah. don't you think this show being for the, the three-hour platform yes. is going to, I think, clear up a lot of that? I think a lot of people are going to be learning a lot about UCF they didn't know prior to the game day. You know, Eric, great point, Elo. 100%. Totally. This, I mean, just this three hours is going to boost us in so many different ways forward. I mean, some of these signs are hilarious, by the way. Yeah. I mean, you one. knew that would happen. Though. I, I, I really like the Danny White thing with Herb Street of like, who's your daddy? Who's what? your daddy? I like the one that UCF wins matter. Yeah. I think that's a simpleton that, sign that I enjoy. I see one from here that says the CFP votes in Broward. <laughs> Next thing you know, we're going to have hanging chads. One of, the, one of the other ones I saw was, uh, actually my favorite one was Nightmare on Herb Street. <laughs> EK, real quick, when's the show air? Uh, we're on 7.30 to 9 on Tuesdays, FM 96.9 or AM 7.40. You can check us out at eksportsradio.com. Hey, have fun. Enjoy it. Enjoy the game tonight. Hopefully we'll bring home a win. Go Knights. Charge on. Well, that was EK, our buddy Eric Kohler, giving us some of the perspective and uh, on how it all went down for him as an alumnus. And he shared a lot of the same thoughts that I had too, Eric, about, you know, how far things have come and, and how you see the program really grow up. And I, I thought that was just, you know, it was, it was a great moment for a lot of those folks who kind of stuck by UCF and were the, and were the early investors, you know? Um, yeah, well, and yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we've addressed it in the interview, you know, we get caught up in the, you know the minutia, if you will. Oh well, we should be ranked here, and we should—we're not getting respect. This or that, or that. The mere fact: here we are. We're having college game day. We have a football program that's on a uh, what now? Twenty-three game win streak, top ten in the country for the second consecutive season. Possibly win a second consecutive conference championship. Possibly go se- a second year in a row, go to a New Year's Six Bowl. Second year in a row, they can go undefeated. And really, your brand was kind of confirmed as respect you want to respect you got respect this week because you've got you were the focus of game day you were the focus on this and it's all pretty wild how quickly this has been because 
it wasn't that long ago. In fact, it wasn't that long ago. It was three years ago. We were a winless football team, and nobody was going to games, and we were the laughing stock of the sport. Um, and I hope that people just appreciate the ride, enjoy this um, this momentous moment. Instead of worrying about things that are not are beyond your control, whether a group of people in a boardroom decide on a number, a cricket number placed next to a university, that is irrelevant compared to the monumental uh, moment that that day, this day, that Saturday in particular, uh, will have moving forward to the university and that athletic department for years to come will be bigger than any cricket number next to a team. But you know just as well also that the attention and the the storyline that it that college game day commands, right? Yeah. Is at least partially fueled by that story. Right? It, it, it's it, you know, what is this UCF team? Why are they making so much racket? Why are their fans so passionate about this place? And that does play into it. I don't think that can be discounted as not a factor at all. I would say what I would say the bigger story is the 23 game winning streak. If this yes, team didn't yes, have yes. a 23 but, game winning streak, nobody would care. I mean, everybody's got their own. Right, Every but, school has their fan base that's rowdy and wants respect. And but, but if you have a team that. that's won 23 consecutive games, you're going to have people who say, why aren't they ranked higher? Right. And, 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 sure. and UCF has simply turned that argument up to 11, which is, but, a, right. which is, a, which is, which is what happens when you're talking about a school as big as UCF is. That's fair. And I think the game day crew did a great job of ex- whether you agree with it or not. They explained where they came from. It wasn't like they backpedaled. What they said is, look, they have a great team. We don't believe you're one of the top four teams. Uh, I think that was been their message, and I think that's their point. I don't think there's a conspiracy out there. There's not an agenda out there. I think we could put nonce, that nonsense to rest. I know fans won't, but that's my only thing that would be bothered by it uh, because I think Kurt Herbstreet and look, I think Kurt Herbstreit and some of those ESPN people did learn some things about UCF they, they didn't know either. And I can tell you this, having been in the press box Saturday night, I know for a fact that Danny White and Mike Oresco spoke to Chris Fowler and Kurt Herbstreit went out of the way you know, during halftime just to talk. And I don't know what the conversations were about, but if I had to guess, it's, look, hey, we're glad you're here. Hope you're having a good time. And look, this is where we're coming from type of thing. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think – I think I really think I'd like to think maybe I'll be proven wrong. I'd like to think that everybody now knows where everybody's coming from. I'm not suggesting you have to agree with every point uh, that was said or is, or is going to be said, but I, I, I'd like to think Jeff and you watch the telecast uh, on television. I don't think I didn't get a sense from anybody the whole weekend that man, this is such a joke. This team's not that great. I think everybody real acknowledges what a great program this is, what a great team this is. They just don't may not agree that that's one of the four best teams, but that's okay. And I hope to think that UCF fans can relate that. And I thought the fans behaved well, and I I, I think it was very good. So um, let's just put that to rest. And I think too, moving forward, I think a lot of people learned about UCF that they probably didn't know prior to the, this weekend. Yeah, and that that's been the fun part. And I think I do think that the fans deserve a ton of credit for making it a really fun weekend for everybody. I, I think that overall the reviews were outstanding um and and, you know and you know when emotions are involved yeah there's going to be some uh there are going to be some 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 perhaps overly passionate people involved but i think that that was the other thing is that you can at least 
you can see the national audience sort of saying, you know what, we get it now. We understand. And this place is and this place is for real. Even Herb Street himself um, said uh, <clears throat> said after the after the game, he tweeted. He said, "UCF is fast and real." And yeah. you know, and and that's well. And they asked him that's too. A win. And they said he would rank him seventh. I think he had him. He said he would rank him seventh right now. Yeah. So so I mean, you know, of course, of course everybody's going to say, that's "Why not higher?" And I get it. Right. You know, right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, let's be clear. Uh, but by I, the way, I, I, I would rather have I, I would rather have our fan base say, "Why not higher?" Than oh, okay. But then, then, but then, most of you are not being honest because all I kept hearing about, no, no, it's not about. We don't believe we're a top four. We just want our respect. Well, then, when you're ranked six or seven, that's not good enough. So, not, let's be honest. You all want to be top four. We all want to be top four. Let's not act like, oh, it's not about that. Of course, it is. That's what it is. You want to yeah. be. You feel you should be in the top four. But that's fine. And you don't. And but that's but just say that. Don't don't try to be this cockamania crap that oh well no it's about the respect thing and it's everybody wants to be in the top four what are you thinking people in pullman washington are celebrating the fact that washington state's ranked where they're at come on i mean <laughs> but it's still, not just it's, UCF. but but ucf fans don't care about how what people at washington state feel they don't and washington state people don't care exactly. about ucf that's so, how the sport so, works right so, and, it, and it, so it's perfectly justified i think for ucf fans to and and like i said i'd rather I'd rather they be that passionate about it than the alternative. That's fine. As long years as and years, how many did, how many did we complain about, you know, well, you know, if only this fan base had more passion. Well, they've got it. You know, I mean, that's and that's well, it's, that's the other correct, thing, too. Correct. So I, correct. I'd rather as have it that As long as it's way. not over the line, as long as it's not over the line. And that's the thing I'm the most proud of is that everybody was on their best behavior. And, and I do have to and I think we all have to remember, you know, we get caught up in the technology of social media and message boards. And we act like the people on social media and the message boards represents the masses of the of the fan bases for all teams. When in reality, they don't. They're really the minority. Uh, I think the 90 95 percent of the fan base gets it and are classy and it's unfortunate that every school and every team has that five maybe one to five percent that kind of makes it look bad and that was my i'm glad that that i think people have a good perception of this at least the fan base uh now with the game day weekend and everything that played out well if every school has that one to five percent then we know that every school has a certain amount of fan base that you don't need to pay attention to so um now as far as the national narrative I think, like we said, that's things are starting to turn, and I think that showcasing UCF as it was was tremendous for the university. I, I argued last week that that Saturday was more important for the University of Central Florida as a university than any other day in its history. And you know, Murph and I had an argument about that because, but I still think you know Murph was more. Um like football focus where my argument was more focused on the general school as a whole. One guy that we ran into can provide some perspective for us. Um, we picked him right out of the crowd. Uh, if you're a fan of the Dan Lebitard show, you know exactly who this guy is. The executive producer, um, Mike Ryan, uh, who uh, has worked with Dan Lebitard for a number of years, going back to, you know, obviously 790, the ticket. And, uh, we know how big of a UM fan he is, being from South Florida, just like you and I, Eric. You know, but um, Mike shared some perspective on uh, on sort of the national narrative that that comes out of a 
a weekend like this, and uh, here was our conversation with him. Man, look who we ran into here at UCF. It's a celebrity right here. Mike, yeah. Mike Ryan, executive pro- producer. Not, not at all a celebrity. <laughs> you are overstating what a celebrity is. We got to get you a new shirt, man. Uh, the Canes, Canes, uh, Canes yeah. cartel shirt. Repping the Canes. Uh, I'm going to go down swinging. I think we went at Virginia Tech. So, <laughs> I'm gonna, I, in my heart of hearts, I feel like if UCF played Miami in a neutral field, We'd embarrass them, but it's, it wouldn't go that way. This is, your fr- this is your first time at UCF? This is my first time here on campus. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, it's really cool, really nice. Uh, people are very nice. Uh, it's a good turnout, not as good as Miami's, but... <laughs> okay, now, all right, now I grew up a Kane fan too, yeah. all right? Early 90s, Gino and everything. I, still, I used to tape those games on VHS. I love those teams. And, I feel, and then I came to UCF as a student in 01, and I always felt like UCF... It was in a position now that UM may have been in like the early 80s when Howard got here. Am I wrong in thinking that? Yes. Okay. Why? Yes. Tell me why I'm wrong. Uh, it's conference. Uh, Miami, it was a different time back yeah, then. Yeah, they were in Indy back then. Uh, yeah. Uh, but right now, conferences make it so difficult. If you get out of this conference and you get into a legit Power Five, then yeah, absolutely. It, it, you have so much working against you. Yeah. Um, and really, right now, the system doesn't really incentivize like boosting your non-conference, especially if you're in one of those Power Fives. So get in one of those, and then you can have the week non-conference schedule all you want. Well, and, and you know, your your show, Dan, and the, you guys have been very supportive of UCF. Was very pro UCF, partly because he doesn't like the system, but for reasons that you brought up. What what was it about UCF when you guys caught the UCF's eye? When did you first notice, like, wow, UCF can really play? Uh, I think it was really. I, what made everybody realize UCF could play was we were actually on USF for a while. And uh, they were playing uh, some teams where you could just see they had the better athletes. And we were on the USF. It actually started with a USF bandwagon. And then midway through the season, we pivoted. And we were not we were saying that U- USF was the best team in the state. And, like, that was some sort of hot take. And then we realized, man, I don't know if USF is the best team in Central Florida. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And they're, they're playing style last year under Frost. I mean, how can you not be sort of captivated and yeah. gripped by it? Yeah. What do you think? Obviously, you guys did the whole T-shirt, the national championship deal. The trophy. The yeah. trophy. Oh, a smashing success on all fronts. Yes. Really. It, it cannot be denied. What kind of feedback do you get? Because obviously, I'm sure when you guys do the national shoot, you get a lot of feedback either from listeners or audiences or maybe even. What's the feedback when you guys have talked to UCF? Has it been positive, negative? What's kind of been like? When we talk to the actual like uh, administration and, yeah. the, and the athletic department, yeah. uh, we have our supporters. And um, you got two of them right yeah, here. Yeah, we we have our supporters within the uh, department, and there were a lot of people that were trying to make uh, a, a big uh, blowout uh, live broadcast happen. However, there's a lot of. Uh, uh, Complications that uh, go hand in hand with uh, broadcast yeah, rights, with some, some contractual obligations, yeah, contractual things that made things difficult. And uh, UCF stood by their media partners. We can't really blame them. Uh, so, but also we're glad that they let us do our little rogue uh, thing. And honestly, they don't need us anymore. They went ahead and made their own fake trophy. Oh, <laughs> come on now! What do you think? What do you think of the whole proclaimed, self-claimed national title from a national standpoint? Has UCF been a good national story for you guys? To cover do you feel like yeah and by the way i i i dig at you but that's the way it used to be you you want to like compare it to miami well miami would 
go to a bowl game and they'd play at the end of the season, yeah. whoever the bowl wanted, and you would have a national championship game where number one was playing number 18 right. just because of conference science. Play, how many times did they play like Nebraska or Oklahoma yeah. and they were ranked like 24th? Yeah, you know? like everyone thinks the two best teams are Ohio State and Florida State, but they can't play because Ohio State's going yeah. to Pasadena and yeah. Florida State's going to the Cotton Bowl. Uh, so I, I think, and back then, everybody would claim a national championship, so why not? Yeah, um, why not, right? Well, I'll tell you why not, because it's absurd. <laughs> so, all right, listen, we'll, listen, we'll forgive you for that, and we'll get make sure we get a picture well, with that trophy. That's true. And I think we, we're, yeah, Eric, are I we going to try request. and swipe it? Go ahead. I'm going to request, though. How would Joe Zagacki react right now to college game day at UCF? How would Joe Zagacki fit right now? There are at least 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 50 people. <laughs> Wearing Levitard Show National Championship shirts. I, guess. I saw the executive producer, Mike Ryan. He took a picture with Danny White. He was red-faced, but he got a photo with Danny White holding up one of the fake shirts. Oh, God. Everyone was, uh, that's my favorite part of the whole thing, was everyone was, like, criticizing us, making a big show, having a fake trophy, calling them national championships. And I came over here thinking people would be excited, and I realized they just did the damn thing on their own. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, they have their own national championship shirts. They have their You've own seen the shirts. What do you think of the shirts? The shirts are dope. A lot better than ours. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get you a shirt. We'll get you one. Yeah. Mike, thanks for joining us here in, up at UCF. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you for having me. Our thanks to uh, Mike Ryan of the Dan Libertard Show uh, on ESPN Radio, who was, by the way, the nicest guy in the world. Really was really, really, was really, really nice. Um, he was walking around, like, handing out T-shirts um, it, it, with the, the Dan Libertard 2018 National Champion T-shirts. <laughs> and then later on, he goes over to the Moat Tailgate, and brings the um, the uh, the Dan Lebetard Show National Championship trophy, <laughs> and yeah. uh, and people are taking pictures of it. Um, my boss at my daytime job took a pic- took a photo with it. It was like it was really fun. It's kind of like it, it kind of like it br- it brought the whole thing like full circle. Um, but you know it was a good time. I think you know he he had a good time at the game and um, and it was just. Uh, it was good. It was good to see that, and it, it, you kind of look around, and you're like, "Man, you see all these former players, and you see, you know, dignitaries from national media walking around. And you're like, man, we've, man, UCF has arrived. The secret's out. The remember what the old term was, you know, for us, Eric, is UCF was the sleeping giant of college football. That and uh, and Dale Whitaker, the president of the university, alluded to that, uh, alluded to this on Twitter. That narrative is officially over. It's right, done. Danny White said the same thing uh, yeah. during the week press conference. I got to tell you, this might sound bizarre to some people. My whole favorite part of the whole weekend was talking to Mike Ryan uh, for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, as somebody I produced, was an executive producer for many years in, in Orlando market, the David Bauman show, morning show on 1080, local Orlando. I produced Tuck and O'Neill when that was airing on 1080, among other different stuff. Eric Casilius and, yeah. Eric Casilius and all that. And so when uh, to talk to my and, and I know Pete, you know the Dan Lebertard show. Obviously, I've grown up listening to it since when I when I lived in Miami when he first started. He was a Miami Herald columnist. I know that some people don't like the show. Some people do like the show. It's kind of a very bipolar thing based on the content that they have on the show. Look, if you, if you don't get the show, then if you don't like the show, then you don't get the show. Right. 
But uh, and Lebetard is tremendous, you know, and all that. But I, I think Mike Ryan, and I'm not just saying it because I met him. I tell you, I felt this for a while. If you, I always when I listen to radio shows now, it's weird when I've produced so many of them that I, I have at times I listen to it from a producer's perspective. So a lot of times I listen to it how it sounds and how it's coming off instead of actually listening to what the host is saying. And I don't know if Mike gets enough credit, uh, you know, Jeff. For how good that Levitard show sounds with a lot yeah. of it, because that that show goes in a lot of different directions. It's just very unpredictable. Because Dan will just call out for stuff, and he's got it all down pat. Whether it be the the fake, you know, and I'm you know we had him do the Joe Zagaki fake uh, impression, <laughs> which he does from time to time, which is hilarious. Um, as as, as Florida like, kids who've listened to Joe Joe Zagaki for years, it's. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Miami Hurricane, longtime voice. Or, yeah. you know, they have Stephen A. Smith, Soundbite, and they have all this different stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on on that show, and he, he, you know, he makes it happen. Um, he makes that show happen uh, for Dan and Stu Gotch and those guys, and, and, and credit to him. And I'm glad that, um, you know, he's getting airtime, obviously, with that show being on television, so people, I think, are starting to know who it was. And it was cool that he came all the way up here. He didn't have to come all the way up here. But he chose to come up here, and I think to, to get his perspective to see UCF as a whole was pretty cool. And yeah, um, you know, I think he, you know, very appreciative of UCF and things like that. So that that was cool. Yeah, I don't I don't know if he um, has published this, but um, he was able to <laughs> he's able to he told me he was able to get a picture of da- himself and the trophy with Danny White. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the things he was trying to do, right? Right, yeah. and I know they. Yeah, so, you know, hey, man, cool, and that's awesome. awesome. I, if you're UCF, that's a good thing to have national shows actually backing you yeah. because, let's be honest, Jeff, we know this. There are national shows out there that don't back UCF. Heck, they don't even talk about them. Just go out west to Los Angeles, and uh, there's a certain shows there that don't even acknowledge UCF as exist. Yeah. Um, and so let's not take that for granted. I hope we don't take that for granted when you do have national shows that do talk UCF and talk about them in a positive light because that's not necessarily guaranteed or or necessarily something that uh, is you know that, that that's going to happen so uh, I you know I appreciate the the and I, and I know some people thought they were being sarcastic because that's part of their stick I don't they're not I don't think that was ever sarcastic at all. I know that they, they've been outspoken over the years about the system, mm-hmm. and I think they were genuinely uh, believed in the UCF cause. Uh, they believed that they were one of the better teams. They had Shaquem Griffin on that show before and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I think it was tremendous. But it was cool yeah. to talk to them about, obviously, the the football stuff and then obviously talk shop from a producing standpoint. So it was cool. Yeah, that was fun. And I and I do think you're right, is that, is that they, you know, there's one thing that, Levitard has said that he really does want to do is, and that's kind of poke, you know, punch up a little bit, and that's what UCF has been doing, and and they found common cause with UCF last year. Uh, let's, uh, so we talked about how well it went on game day. Like we said, it's um, you know we have a number of uh, highlights from the show that you can see on our website, blackandgoldbanneret.com. But oh, by the way. There was a football game, <laughs> you know, and uh, and it was a big moment for UCF because you know you can have all this hoopla, but then when you got the football game in that time slot, eight p.m. on uh, Saturday night, you know a lot can go wrong. And uh, <clears throat> and initially for this game, it looked like things might be might indeed be going wrong early. First offensive play, Mackenzie Milton gets sacked, and Cincinnati. Falls on the ball for a touchdown. You know that those kids on Cincinnati were like, as the cliche says, you know they're on scholarship too. 
Um, Although and, some of them maybe shouldn't be, but that's all their story. Oh, that's that's harsh. Oh, but, but uh, let's give credit to UCF for coming down off the emotional high, settling in, and you, Mister Lopez, have been, let's say, at least mildly critical of Randy Shannon's defense. They. A lot of people are. I mean, it's not. I mean, you're making. I'm. I'm saying what other fans have been saying about Randy let's, Shannon's defense. Let's now. Let's, let's be. Let, let, let's be fair here. The UCF's yeah. UCF's defense gave up seven points in this game. To a, to a now, terrible quarterback. But still, seven points. They they suffocated. They suffocated the 17th best rushing offense in the country, and UCF yes. won the game 38 to 13. And, they played uh, a complete game. And they, they played, played the best yeah, game played of the, the year. Played finally. the best complete game the entire year, I would say. That was good. I will say this. I think Luke Fickle should be the conference coach of the year because I have no idea how that team has the record that they do because I think they're way ahead of schedule. I don't think they're that good. I think, I think Temple is personally better. In fact, Temple beat them on the field. So I don't think that's a real bold statement, but I think Temple's way better than Cincinnati, and I think there's other teams that are better than Cincinnati in this conference. I think they've overachieved, and I think that's a credit to Luke Fickle, and I think if you're Cincinnati, I think you feel good that you know Luke Fickle is going to head that program in the right direction. But I'm sorry, that team is did not belong in the field with UCF. That was a no contest. Um, you know, UCF, I thought, was a little anxious early. I think Mackenzie Milton was a little anxious in that first quarter, mm-hmm. and yet – they were right there in the game. And then I think once UCF settled in, it was it was a mismatch. And UCF dominated. The fans were tremendous. It was loud. I think it's it's definitely the loudest I've seen. I've heard that stadium probably since Boston College 2011 when the Red Bandetta game, when they crushed Boston College with Luke Keekley and company. You could go back to even maybe Miami you know, you know, before that, but I think mm-hmm. BC's won. South Florida was loud too last year. Don't get me wrong. On a Black Friday uh, but that was like a 3:30 kick for a night game. Uh, that was a, it was a tremendous atmosphere. And again, being on ABC primetime, do you see the difference? And you can speak to this because you watch the game live. I have not watched the f- broadcast yet, but talking to people that did, I mean, it's a different animal because I mean yeah. that's the A team here, and that's the production which I have actually worked and been a part of that production crew earlier this year for Alabama Louisville. It's a different. The, the, it's just it feels big didn't it I mean, I mean I'll ask you you watched it didn't it feel much more special didn't it feel bigger we're supposed to always you know we're in this day and age where we say ah every channel's the same we're yeah, cutting no, cords and everything but didn't it feel different no it this was different. this was the this was the marquee game right this was this was the the, the, the amount of resources that they that ABC and ESPN pour into that primetime game uh, is is without question um, undeniable. The the sheer number of cameras that are around the stadium, it's essentially they turn the football stadium into a TV set. And you know, the you know they had the sky cam. And by the way, you can watch you can watch a replay of the game from all the different angles. Um, a number of people actually today were said that they went back and they watched the game again from exclusively the sky cam. Kind of like you know, like like if you're playing Madden, and they said that it yeah. it was just it was just a, a phenomenal experience. Um, the place was the audio just sounds different. The place was loud, and you could feel the energy through the television screen. And um, and, and 
to, for UCF to rise to the occasion. We used to talk all the time about how, oh, big game, how are we going to blow this one? For UCF to rise to the occasion as they have in this game, I think was um, quite, was really encouraging to see. A couple of numbers I just wanted to share with everybody um, from that game in the box score. Michael Warren, who is the big rushing threat for Cincinnati, only 81 yards on 18 carries. Um, <clears throat> Tavian Thomas actually had a pretty good game, 79 yards uh, on 12 carries for Cincinnati. But um, the story was the job that they did with Desmond Ritter, the quarterback for Cincinnati. Even though he rushed for 70 yards net, he was only 11 of 26 for 127 yards and was sacked four times. Uh, phenomenal job by the front seven at UCF, really putting best the clamps on. Best game they on played it. all year. They really best did. Best game they played all year. Front um, seven was the best game they played all year. For UCF, uh, Taj, leading rusher was Taj McGowan with only 50 yards, which is pretty remarkable when you think about it. When the Knights ran for 169, Mackenzie Milton had an oak had a pretty good day, 13 to 25 for 268, three touchdowns. Not spectacular by any means. Um, Adrian Killens had two scores uh, on uh, on four catches. Um, Really, I thought that I thought that the defensive effort was A plus. I thought that the offensive effort was B minus at best, and still UCF won the game by twenty five points, which I think is pretty encouraging heading down the stretch. This was about the time when we started to see some cracks in the armor last year. Um, with you could see the fatigue from playing what ended up being eleven consecutive weeks start to rear its ugly head. But now I think I think having that bye week in late October, huge help. The team looks about as healthy and fresh as it as you could possibly ask for at this point, which is right what you want to do as you head down the stretch for the for into Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, I, again, I thought that was the best game the front seven played. Uh, I thought the offensive line did a nice job adjusting after the first couple of drives in Cincinnati was putting pressure on Milton. Uh, I thought they made adjustments. They couldn't really get any pass rush on Milton after the second drive of the game. Uh, and, and, and Cincinnati, you know, the special teams, I thought, went in UCF's favor. And they that was a big performance to do it in that spotlight because I'm sure with the game out of hand, there was a lot of UCF talk by Fowler and Herbstreet down the stretches. They were trying to, you know, as that game was coming to a wrap. So, and I do think that helped them in the rankings as far as the AP and the coaches. It did. Uh, and it does. It does. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, if when you're on that platform, no disrespect to other channels or other networks, it does make a difference. And um, it, 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 that was that was significant. Then from you know, I, I wrote about it on Black and Gold Banner. I think it did good numbers locally. I could tell you it's tied for the second most watched regular season UCF game of all time with yep. an eleven-one rating, tying last year's Black Friday game. Still, South Carolina with Steve Spurrier in twenty thirteen still at the edge at eleven point five. Overall, it's the fourth most watched UCF game ever, if, if you include the bowl games. Obviously, the Fiesta Bowl and the Peach Bowl are one, two. So uh, I think it was successful. Yeah, I think it was a success for TV numbers, success on the stands, the sta- uh, success on the field. And, you know, UCF benefited a lot. And another group that I think benefited a lot, Jeff, the American Conference. Yeah, that's true. They uh, The American did need a big performance on television, um, like you wrote earlier in the week. And, I, and they got it. Um, the national TV numbers were very solid. Like you said, the fourth highest rated UCF game um, in, uh, in, at least in UCF's history. But um, the time slot, what, did, what was it? Was it up from last year in that same spot? 
No, it was slightly down from USC UCLA. Keep in mind, it's well, USC, yeah, that's UCLA. yeah, that's I mean, so. It's, that, which, by the way, it was Josh in, Rosen versus Sam Darnold. Yeah, so, plus it was everybody uh, in the second largest market, you know, in in the country watching that in Los Angeles. Not to mention, we're basically the entire. But it, West was, Coast. it wasn't down much. It wasn't down much. It was a few percentage. And remember, it was still the most watched primetime game of all the games yeah. that aired on primetime this past Saturday. So that was a success. And I know Mike Oresco was in attendance because I had a chance to talk to him, Jeffrey. And uh, he was definitely excited about this opportunity because he knows what it meant with the American. And myself and Mr. Brian Murphy, Jeff, had a chance to talk to him. Big day. Tell me about this day. Game day here on campus, and now you got the marquee game of the weekend here on the biggest stage uh, in the sport. Yeah, it's hard to overstate how important it is in the conference. It's a culmination of a lot of hard work by a lot of people over, over six years. You know, it didn't happen overnight. Uh, been a lot of success in the last you know, five-plus years. And a lot of teams have, have won 10 or 11 games. Uh, it's not just one. And UCF, the 22-game winning streak. But if Cincinnati wasn't having the season they're having, they would this wouldn't happen, be happening. If they were 5-5 five and five or whatever, I doubt this game would have been chosen. But it's an honor, obviously, when you have game day here, and it was a great success. I'm, I'm thrilled with the way that people from UCF respond in the community. And uh, now we just hope for, we put our best foot forward tonight in a good game. But, yeah, it's a great, great showcase, obviously, for us. Do you feel this week has kind of been the showcase? You had the Thursday night, you had Houston and Tulane, you had the SMU Memphis was a big game last night. Do you think this could be kind of a big statement there as far as, you know, down the road when you do the TV negotiations, like, hey, we're a player, we can, you know, we're, we can prove it on, you know, on the, on the, on the biggest screen here? Well, you know, two weeks ago, the uh, Temple uh, UCF game was the highest rated Thursday game except for opening week, and opening week wasn't against the NFL. Right. Uh, we had the two highest rated Thursday games in 2016. We've had some of the other higher rated Thursday games. I think the league is an exciting league. We play exciting football. I think people are interested in us. They watch us. I think they're curious about the cold college football playoff situation. And by the way, I don't think we're going to go downhill because we've got 10 of our teams have starting quarterbacks back next year, including backups. So the league is going to only get stronger. We're recruiting really well. I mean, today USF and, and Temple played a really hard-fought game. And, you know, that score doesn't really reflect it. It was 17 nothing with 2017, and then it was a late interception that sealed it. But that was a heck of a game, and that's the kind of game you'll see in this conference. I, I'm, you know, one, of the, one of my pet beefs, of course, is you know, we say strength of schedule, strength of schedule. Okay, you know, Maryland almost beat Ohio State today, scored 50 points, whatever. Temple beat Maryland 35-10 down at their place. You know, we've had, Temple went up to B.C. and lost 38-35, played them tougher than most of the ACC teams have up there, and, and could have won that game. You know, we have a lot of those kinds of results. Look at Houston, Arizona. It's 38-0, 45-18, and Arizona's now competing for the Southern title. They could win tonight against Arizona. Uh, Washington State's not out of the question. Pitt. You saw the game here. It's 45-7 with, what, 20 seconds left, and it was 45-14. And Pitt now won again today. They, they uh, had a big win. They're going to probably win the Coastal. They, they the ACC, the Coastal. They yeah. the yeah. Coastal. Okay, well, these aren't one-offs. This is a pattern. In 2015, we had all those big wins with Temple beating Penn State by 17 points, almost beating Notre Dame. Ole Miss beats Alabama and then loses to Memphis. Memphis beats UCLA last year. You know, Cincinnati beats UCLA this year in the opening game in the Rose Bowl. We have so many of those examples. I just think it's time the league got credit when you win those games. And they say, well, your overall schedule isn't strong. Well, I think our league can hold up with, with pretty much anyone. And our best teams have done well in the bowl games. We've been in three New Year's bowl games. We won them all. And we won them convincingly against good teams, by the way. That Houston defense that played against Florida State, I think somebody told me six or seven of those players are in the NFL now. Yeah. And they're all playing. Landon Roberts starts for the Patriots and Cameron Malvo and William Jackson and all those players. 
when you have that many, and look at how many from the UCF team last year, including the guys that are still on this team, who are going to be NFL players. I think that tells you something, too. right? We had, what, the same number of essentially one fewer draft picks yeah. in two years in the Big 12, and we actually had one more the previous year. Yeah, That tells you something, too. There's a lot of good players in this league. Mike, what can you say about the... What can you say about the I know you can't say a whole lot. What can you say about the latest kind of television negotiations? Not much. Uh, you know, we have a negotiating period uh, next February, uh, and we're, we're getting ready. We're doing a lot of research. The only thing I can say is I think the league has reached a point where we're in a good spot because the league has, has clearly demonstrated ratings power. It's a growth stock, as I put it. It's clear. Not many gro- I was in broadcasting for 30-something years, and there are not many growth stocks, not many uh, leagues or, or properties that are actually increasing their ratings, increasing their visibility. Also, I think long-term now, we'll be a factor in the college football playoff. You know, even if they don't let us in, even if it, you know, and I don't know what's going to happen to the playoff, whether it's going to stay at four, go to eight, go to six, we'll still be a factor. We'll still be in the news if our teams win. And it's not just going to be one team. Cincinnati will now be one of our best teams again, which is a nice thing for us because Cincinnati was a good program. And the same thing with, uh, you know, Houston. They'll be back. Derek King comes back. I hope he's okay. You know, he tore his meniscus. Um, you know, Memphis will be a very good team. They're young. Uh, they had some growing pains this year with a new quarterback. But this is a good league. And, and I just think uh, we're, we're, we're well positioned. But there's, you know, we'll see now. It's, I, I can't really say anything because we're just getting ready for it. Obviously, a lot of focus on the football side, but, I mean, we've talked before. The basketball league, Wichita State was a big success last year. Three teams in the field. Baseball was a top-five RPI league. Softball, top-five. UConn, obviously, women's basketball. USF with a great program. So, you know, so much of the focus on the football TV, but all these sports can help you, too, right, for the future of the league, get you the TV deal you're looking for, and also the exposure and the respect. It's all part of the P6 narrative, and, and absolutely, basketball has an impact. Um, in a year or two, I think we'll be one of the best basketball leagues. It won't happen this year because we've got some rebuilding to do at Wichita State, at Cincinnati a little bit, at um, uh, UConn. But Dan Hurley's already had a, got a great win. win in it just shows you what happened already there. Uh, UCF right here might be our best team, you know, and they had a big win over St. John. Penny Hardaway in Memphis. Penny Hardaway will get it done. It won't happen immediately, but you know, they they played a very competitive game against a good LSU team. Uh, we're really good in baseball. We're good in a lot of other sports. Softball, we've got some good teams. We've got some excellent track and field at Houston. We've got excellent sport. Those sports matter, but obviously the, your bell cow is football with basketball not having quite the same impact. It just doesn't because of the tournament and a lot of money there, but it helps. And by the way, that's the whole point of the narrative of P6. One, we have big schools in big markets, important schools. We have some smaller schools that are academically among the best in the country. We've got all the accoutrements, as you might want to say, of, of the P6 now. We really do. And maybe we didn't five or six years ago. If this league had existed five or six years ago, we would probably not have been left out. But we were in disarray. We know we were. And now we've really rebuilt pretty well. And uh, we've still got some work to do. But Does that, you think you're being judged because you just, you know, the league was created in 2013. Like, if this league existed maybe for 20 years, maybe you'd be different. Does that frustrate you? To some extent, probably, because we're the upstarts, you know, we're the newcomers, you know, and that's always hard to maintain. We've shown sustainability, though. Uh, The last four years, we've had multiple top 25 teams in football. We've had uh, top 10 teams virtually every year. We've won those big bowl games. We have won a national championship in men's basketball. How many leagues that are, are, are big time have won a national championship in men's basketball? Have won the Fiesta Bowl, the Peach Bowl twice. Have have won um, you know thirty national title women's hoops. Yeah, three women's national titles plus five Final Fours, plus. 
33 wins against the P5, the so-called P5, in the last three-plus years, and big wins, too, a lot of them. What's it take to be considered, you know, a, a major conference when you do that kind of thing? That's, oh, sure, it's frustrating. It really is. And, you know, I, I, I've never felt that I would promote the league unless there was something to promote. You know, if we didn't have good teams or we had a really down year, but, you know, I can't honestly say we've had a down year in the last four or five years. We've just continued to make progress. You know, more and more teams have gotten better. Sure, a few teams, East Carolina fell back and they've got to rebuild, but there's talent there. They, they, they're not far away. UConn's probably a few. They've got some young players. They, they had to rebuild completely. For some reason, they, they seem to have lost a recruiting class or two, and they got to use an all-freshman. But you look around this league, and Navy's down this year, but Navy's never down for long. They've got a great success. Um, this league is a, a good, solid league. This can continue to get better. I think you know, all we can do is keep playing and keep winning and hope uh, you know, people start recognizing it. And that was Mike Oresco with myself and Brian Murphy with the cameo there in the TV contracts. And, uh, boy, I tell you, Jeff, you and I like Mike Oresco. I feel like we're the only ones that like Mike Oresco. This part I, part. I have <laughs> been a defender of Mike Oresco much to – the chagrin of many on Twitter, including, by the way, our colleague Chaz Short, and um, you know, and Chaz has his reason. Yeah, and, and and by the way, I, I think very well reasoned reasons um, for uh, for his opinion on Oresco. But I I will say that I think that that when you think back to when the American Athletic Conference was formed, out of the remains of the Big East, um, you know that that thing could have gone that thing could have come apart in a really ugly way in a hurry and he first of all he resuscitated it um got it to stable condition and then within you know a few months had it had it walking out of the hospital looking just fine um and now they're running the marathons again and they're running by the way right 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 and i think that that. and he needs to and he needs to have credit for it now a lot of UCF fans complain that, well, where is he? Why isn't he defending UCF's national championship claim? Why isn't he out front? Why is he missing these opportunities? The reason why, no one wants to, no one wants to say this, but the reason why is because Mike Oresco has to look out for the interests of all of the schools in the American Athletic Conference. And he knows doggone well, especially from a couple years ago, that there's a very good possibility that at some point in the future – Mike Oresco will be the commissioner of an of an American Athletic Conference that does not contain UCF. Okay, we know possibly, that. Or, possibly, I mean, we don't know for sure. More importantly, he's in the middle of a TV negotiation as he, okay. as he, if yes. he brought it up. That's the other. The that's the other half. And when you're in the middle of a very sensitive negotiation where there's a lot of money at stake, and you're trying to and you're trying to win that negotiation for these schools, it sometimes behooves you to just keep your mouth shut <laughs> publicly well, and, and is, over things that thing. that could be I perceived agree. as hurting the brand of your TV partner with, by the way, the TV partner that you're currently in an exclusive contract negotiation with yes. right now. That's the thing. Who you need. Who you need, by the way. And this is the thing fans don't get, okay, because they're like, we well, should get all this money. There's no – Mike doesn't have the leverage that fans think he does because Saturday night proved – Again, whether you like it or don't like it, you know, you have your opinions about the network. ESPN is important. If you're on ESPN, that's a big deal. If you're not on ESPN, you're pretty much forgotten. Yeah. Ask the NHL how they're doing. I was just going to say, ask, if, you don't think, if you don't think that's true, go ask Gary Bettman. Well, here's another example, okay? 
So this was the marquee game for the American Conference. Got ABC primetime. The marquee game for the Mountain West this week, all right, Utah State uh, playing this week. You know, that's on ESPN2 against Fresno State. I believe it's the game. I don't remember the game. They're on ESPN2. They wouldn't get this time slot. They're on CBS Sports Network the majority of the time. Nobody talks about the Mountain West. One of the reasons why UCF is a talk nationally is because UCF has been on the ESPN channels. They've been on Thursday night. If UCF was playing, let's say, and again, no, no disrespect, but if UCF's playing on NBC Sports Network exclusively, nobody would be talking UCF nationally. But they're talking about them because, in part, they're on the main channel. So if you're Mike Oresco, Jeff, you got to get more money for your institutions. No question about it. But you've got to find a way to get more money from ESPN and still have a relationship with ESPN. Because here's the thing. ESPN can come to Mike and say, here's our offer, and if you don't like it, psh, Take a hike and see how you're doing. That's not a good deal there for the American. You got to keep the ESPN invested in it and at the same time make money. So there's a juggling act there that he's got to do uh, that I don't think – I think people take that for granted that it's not that easy. Could he be more, uh, you know, more outspoken? I guess. But I would also counter, by the way, Jim Delaney. It wasn't like Jim Delaney defended uh, Ohio State or Penn State the last couple of years missing the playoff when they won the Big Ten t- title and got left out. Nobody – no. why were people criticizing Jim Delaney because he didn't go out of his way to back those teams? He didn't do that. Why? Because out of the respect for the system and the process because everybody is under contract under this deal and everybody's making money out of this deal and everybody wants to continue to make money moving forward. Yeah. And that's one thing that we're going to have to see as, as things go forward with this television negotiation. Um. And I'll be the first to say, if he doesn't get more money for this deal, then he will. He'll get the criticism, right? Right. no question about it. But that, but but don't criticize him until you actually find out what the result is. I think that's the that's the most important thing. All right, UCF, by the way, like you mentioned, Eric, um, moved up from eleventh to eighth, actually tied for eighth in the Associated Press poll, behind four one-loss teams: Um, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame are undefeated at the top. Uh, Michigan, Georgia, Oklahoma, Washington State, then UCF. UCF is actually tied with 9-2 LSU at 8th. In the coaches' poll, UCF moved up to 9th from 11th as well. Um, In that one, they're behind 9-2 LSU. We're recording this on Monday night because it's Thanksgiving week, and we have families and lives, and (laughs) and this is a big episode. And uh, we haven't seen the college football playoff rankings just yet. Nor not, does it matter. Not, does well, it matter? Well, it does, but you know, to an, ex- no, but to an extent, we're going to have to wait and see. Um, remember, well, that uh, and by the, well, what what matters more importantly is the next game. Yep. Uh, at USF uh, on uh, Friday at three thirty on ESPN, another good time slot uh, for the American for uh, UCF, uh, and um, hopefully, well, I don't know how many UCF people are heading down there, but they're expecting to see a pretty good show against, uh, South Florida. We're going to preview that game when we get back from break. Our friend, uh, and we, yes, he is our friend, so stop saying he's not, uh, from... Don't, 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 don't be mad at us because he's our friend. <laughs> right. From, uh, the Daily Stampede, the, uh, editor emeritus of the Daily Stampede, Colin Sherwin, um, joined us to, uh, talk USF football. Uh, and to see what the uh, and to and to give us the lay of the land with the Bulls uh, as we head uh, into uh, Thanksgiving weekend and the uh, war on I four on Black Friday. So we're going to hear from Colin in a little bit, and we'll catch you up on the Olympic sports uh, when we return. This is the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Back after this. 
The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by Orlando Homes Express, brokered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team at Orlando Homes Express proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. Sam is a very proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's got a special deal going on right now for the 2018 UCF football season. Night fans, if you work with Sam to sell your home, he will list it for just 4.8% commission. And if you're buying a home with him, he will rebate you up to $750 at closing. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, Upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give them a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit them on the web at WeSellOrlando.net. Again, that's WeSellOrlando.net. You can also reach them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash we sell Orlando. Get in touch with Orlando Homes Express today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez with you. Blackandgoldbanneret.com, UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. It is Rivalry Week. It is USF Week, and that means we get to bring in number Voodoo 5 in your programs, number 1 <laughs> in your list of public enemies, Colin Sherwin... <laughs> <laughs> Colin Sherwin from the Daily Stampede, our SB Nation sister site covering the USF Bulls. What's up, Colin? Guys, uh, a pleasure. Um, I, I would it like is? to transfer my public. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> I love you guys. Um, I, it is. I would like to transfer my public enemy, enemy number one status to uh, Nathan Bond at the Daily, Daily Stampede dot com, <laughs> as well as his. Uh, co-editor uh connor aikman um i'm gonna let those guys deal with it now i am i am just the emeritus most hated guy in, in ucf twitter sphere and uh <laughs> it's been, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna I, print out the 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 free usf colin t-shirts right now so. <laughs> so. nah it's been fun and like you know obviously there are some fans in all twitter spheres ours included that are pretty pretty terrible but um you guys have been a uh, really good, and and it's I've been so glad to see you get on the network and finally able to use chorus the way it's supposed to be used <laughs> and and put everything to work and um, give the knights a, a site that you know because honestly they I think they've deserved it for quite a while and so it's good that UCF finally found uh, some guys who can put together whole sentences and paragraphs. I kid, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's a joke. 
I come from. I come from the television world. I don't write in complete sentences. But thank you for the credit anyway. Um, no, I and and I want to thank you for your support as well because this was uh, tremendous for UCF that we were able to get on SB Nation and uh, and, and I know that. And I know that UCF fans like to like to rag on you and stuff, but actually, you're a really nice guy, and we thank you for your support. <laughs> now let's talk some crap. Um, okay. <laughs> all right, so uh, Friday, Black Friday, once again, it's in Tampa, UCF against USF, uh, 3.30 kick. It's going to be on uh, ESPN, and uh, well, all right, so let's take a look at the standings here in the American. USF started out 7-0, 3-0 in the league. They've since lost four straight. You guys are coming off of the um, come-from-ahead loss at Temple. Uh, what the hell is going on with USF? So I am in Philadelphia, which is where I was born and raised. Um, I go up to the Temple game last week. Um, we have a nice little pregame event with a whole bunch of USF people. Uh, we actually sell a few tickets to the game. we got enough of local alumni in the area. It's a great time. See some old friends. Wonderful. And it's 17-0 at halftime. And I am in the beer line uh, behind the uh, south end zone at, or the west end zone at uh, Lincoln Financial Field. And I told everyone, I'm just excited to see how we're going to lose this game. <laughs> and I had no doubt at any point, despite the 17 nothing lead, that we would find a way to throw this thing away with both hands. Um, there is not a lot of faith in this coaching staff right now. I don't think these players believe in what they're being shown and taught. Um, I think there is a, a tangible um, uprising of frustration from not just the fans, but people close to the program, people in the program. And uh, it's really bad right now. And, you know, at the end of that half, at the end of the first half, when the Bulls are going in 17 nothing, there's two minutes left and, and Temple's got third and long. And, you see, and USF has all three timeouts. And they just could not wait to run the clock down um, let Temple punt it away, get the ball back with 30 seconds instead of two minutes left, uh, and then run the ball twice into the line and go to the locker room up 17 nothing. And Charlie even said after the game, well, we didn't want to do anything because we knew we were getting the ball in the second half. Um, the difference between our program and your program right now is if either Scott Frost or Josh Heupel ever said that, I would jump off the SunTrust building. <laughs> um, you guys attack, attack, attack. It is... Um, it is a much more fundamentally sound way to coach a football team. Because of that, you get the trust and buy-in of your players because your coaching staff shows that they believe in what's happening. And that is all stuff that is just lost lost here at USF right now. Um, it's bad. I think you're going to see wholesale changes to the coaching staff, if maybe not the head coach. I, I do think Charlie will be the coach next year, but I think you're going to see some wholesale changes, you know, extra personnel around the program, not just assistant coaches but everybody up and down is going to have to take take a look and a review about what happened this season it's been uh, an absolute total collapse um and then charlie strong gets up there and says you know usf could probably use a little more institutional support from the administration and i completely agree with them i've said for years that i don't think this administration is as committed to football as they need to be um competitively but that doesn't excuse getting you know beat by four scores at home against tulane um you got enough support to do that and that's it's just not good enough right now and i so yeah you're gonna win another one on on friday um i think the spread i think it was 14 i think it's already yep. gone up from there 14 um, and a half last i saw but i'll double check four, it 
Yeah, and I think you cover. I think you win. I think you cover. I think you pull our doors off. Um, if anything's going to happen, you know, the, the best game that Sterling Gilbert, USF's uh, embattled, to be polite, offensive coordinator, uh, the best game he's called in his career at USF was definitely the Knights game last year. Um, but a lot of that was Quentin Flowers improvising. That's not going to happen this year. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of faith in him and what he's going to be able to do offensively. And then defensively, USF is very young. They've got injuries. I think there is a lot more faith in, in defensive coordinator Brian John Marie. I just don't think he's got the pieces to make it work right now. So, you know, you guys are still one of the best damn offenses I've ever seen. I think you're going to throw the ball over the place. I think Killen's going to run for 200-plus, and I think you're going to blow our doors off. So, wow. Man, he, he – Lopez, I don't trust this. He knows something we don't. No, I, I, no Colin, I, this, is, this is a different Colin here, and I – I think this is very sincere because I've followed the the, the, the whole coverage. And people, how many of the Bulls fans have turned on Charlie Strong? Me and Jeff are still, and you know this from being on last year. Sure. Uh, Jeff is the biggest Charlie Strong fan, and it's not because of the job he's doing. He just thinks he's actually doing a good job. Whereas I don't think, and I said this, I felt Charlie Strong was a drop-off from Willie Taggart, at least for South Florida. I know Willie's had a very rough year at FSU, whatever. But – and you're talking about all these constant changes, but the buck stops with him. Yeah. Some of the comments he makes shakes my head. Like even the one on Monday, I think he said where he he made this comment where he like he doesn't want UCF fans to take over the stadium. Like why would you say that? Like are you listening to what you're saying? And some of his comments are just bizarre. I just don't know if this is a fit here, Colin. Where 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 are we with Charlie Strong going in, in here at the end of year two? So I, yeah, it, it's a fit problem. So to compete, you know, at USF, you don't not just have, and you guys, you know, have to deal with this a little bit with the magic and, and OCFC, but, you know, this is a pro market. And, you know, when you've got, you know, the Bucks, the late, the Rays and the Lightning all competing for space, you have to sell the program a little bit to the community. Um, that's one thing I think our men's basketball coach, Brian Gregory, has done a terrific job of is he's like, look, this is a competitive market and we need to be, you know, forward facing and have a smart media strategy. I've interviewed Charlie. I've talked to Charlie. I think he is a tremendous guy. I think he is upstanding. I think he's trying to do the right thing. I think character matters to him. Um, and that's all true. And some of that is also that he is so fundamentally honest when you talk to him, you know, about his program, about his team, about anything that's going on around him, um, that sometimes that honesty doesn't come out in the most um, the, the way that he'd like it to be perceived, and and Charlie is not someone who's on social media. Like he he doesn't do Twitter, he doesn't do Facebook. You know, I I wouldn't be surprised if his phone was a flip phone. Um, <laughs> and he just I don't think he sees you know the big picture surrounding this program sometimes, and and the perspective that that you with the things that he says in the way it's going to be absorbed by the fan base. And, and that's a definite fit problem. Um, when you're at Texas where, you know, the media is just, you know, they're vultures and that's all, they're just coming after you and coming after you. I think that also burned him a little bit. Um, you know, he's very media, you know, reticent. Sometimes we get very, very little access to this program. We had, it was reduced under, you know, from Skip Holtz, it was pretty open. Uh, it was reduced under Willie Taggart, and it's been even more reduced under Charlie Strong. And, you know, some of the things that, that he says are, are just like, you know, we, we uh, Nate on the conference call a couple weeks ago says, well, 
you know, coach, you've made mid yeah, and didn't reference them, but he said, you know, um, would there be any coaching staff shakeup changes? You know, and this is after USF had just been pantsed by Tulane at home by 25, 26, something like that. Um, and the first thing out of his mouth is, Nathan, were we not seven and zero? Well, yeah, you were seven and zero, and you're about to be seven and five unless you do something here. <laughs> Um, the first part of the schedule was pretty easy when the team was seven and zero. Like all of us who, you know, <clears throat> we were all able to take the green and gold glasses off and go, this team's not very good. Um, this schedule was cupcake easy, and when you have to, you know, recover an onside kick against UConn, who basically should be maybe competitive in the Yankee Conference of FCS, but <laughs> at no level here, and. And you've got to recover an onside kick to hold one to a one-score win and then get a couple of first downs to get off the get out of the game at home. Like, come on, man. Like, I don't care. You can be undefeated, but that is – you are squeezing the life out of these games by overmanaging them. Um, the play calling is – it's not a play – it's not – make the joke, it's not a route tree, it's a route branch because everything's a five-yard hook. Um, they – Never, you don't see players cross the middle of the field. You don't see screens. You see guys just hurry up and jam it in the A gaps on every first down. It is beyond frustrating to watch. And, you know, I think there's going to be some wholesale changes in the offseason no matter what happens on Friday. I think, you know, personally, I think you're going to see a lot of changes, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, coaching wise. And I don't care if USF wins 56 nothing on Saturday or on Friday. Like, it won't matter. These guys are out of here and they need to be because. There is not a lot of faith in them as a coaching staff. Can I play devil's advocate here for a second? You got it. Okay. So ten and two last year. This year, yeah, seven and seven and four. So I'm looking at a seven and five. Or seven, and, yeah. <laughs> seven, <laughs> seven, seven and four at the moment. Okay. Um seventeen and six with a second year coaching staff. All right. That inherited the best team in program history. True. That was true. given a Maserati and did not know how to drive a stick shift. I still like. Well, well, wait a minute. Now, you're still one kick, re- stopping one kick return from possibly winning the conference. No question. And and as I said, that game that Gilbert called last year against you guys was absolutely the highlight of his time at USF. But a lot of that was just Quentin going, well, it's my last game. It's not like they're going to bench me. Um, the, the two-point play at the end before Hughes ran back to kick, um, Quentin called that. Like, there was a different play called. Quentin got in the huddle and said, screw it, DJ. You go out. The, you go run a wheel out in the flat, and I'm going to put my foot in the ground and throw it back across my body, and you're going to be wide open. <laughs> well, so, you know, like – But that's the stuff that, that happens. You know, I mean, that's – and, right. here's, and here's, here's the point that I was making is – more than uh, obviously going to a bowl game this year, um, regardless yeah, of who, probably the Cure Bowl, they're probably going to go. They're real fired up about that. Who cares? Bowl game, a bowl game is a bowl game. <laughs> next year. You know, you only have two recruiting classes from Charlie Strong under your belt so far. So why pull the plug now and send the message to whoever the next guy is that uh, actually you only have two years to turn it around? So you better figure it out quick. So at USF, you got to keep three balls in the air. And those three balls are one, you got to win, and you got to compete at the top of this conference because this conference isn't very good. So, you know, you guys and us should be the best two teams in this league pretty consistently. We just have more talent locally that we can access um, than any other program. You know, Cincinnati's doing real well picking up kids in Ohio, but we, 
both of our schools just have. I mean, we grow high three-star and low four-star kids on trees down here. We should be able to recruit better and thus have better players and thus have better programs. There is enough infrastructure support, though less here than there is for you guys. You got to keep, so you got to win. And that's a reasonable expectation for football. It's not for men's basketball, but winning here is a reasonable expectation for football. You have to perform academically um, with maybe not a whole hand behind, tied behind your back, but like maybe a finger or two, because the academic standards at USF, you know, there are a lot of kids that are borderline that just don't get in here. And I, I think that's an underreported story that people don't talk about enough. Um, but USF gives less um, special admits, as they would say in the in the industry then basically I would argue 95 to 98 percent of the public schools uh, competing in uh, in FBS they just they make things more academically difficult sometimes there are certainly kids that are borderline that get admitted but it's less than there would be at other places because there is a, a system in place that makes that more difficult and the other thing you got to do is you got to sell this team to the community and that's the area where I think Charlie has really not done a great job because you know, if you get up there and, and you say some different things and you don't just end every press conference, well, we just got to execute, you know, you, you take some accountability. You, you say you understand that this isn't good enough. You, you give some perspective to it. You understand that things like saying, were we not 7-0 and is not good enough. Um, you know, after the game last year, he says, you know, was this a successful season? You know, 20 minutes after, you know, you guys had won the game. Well, unfortunately, if you don't get to a conference championship with the best team in school history, that's not a successful season. He didn't do that, but he said, yes, it was a successful season. It's really not. you got to win a division here at some point, um, and especially with the talent that was on that team last year. you got to find a way to Although, I'll give you this, you guys were an absolute buzzsaw, um, and that team, you know, I, you play that game 100 times, I think, on a neutral field. The Knights probably win, like, 65, maybe, 70? I'd say you 60. Know? I'd say, I yeah, would say somewhere, I, some, somewhere in there. Um, I, I, but but this just illustrates, like, to me, the, the the college football at this in this day and age is just on a razor's edge. When you're talking about, you know, that yeah, how, it, where, where no, we are right now. I mean, yeah. ten and two last year with a bowl win. It you know it should be considered a, a spectacular success. But the player in the history of that program, Jeff. I mean, he had the best player in the history okay, of that program. Okay, but it is not, in the not quarterback, all, and they didn't win. They were the heavy favorites not to, to win go, their conference. Not to go all cli- all coaching cliche on you, Colin. I know you heard enough of those, but <laughs> but it's a team game, and Quentin Flowers isn't out there covering kicks. So when you no, have a t- so when it is a team game, and you have Dernis Johnson. Who was maybe? If you're, I'm gonna go. It's like Quentin, Marlon Mack, and maybe Dernis Johnson as the third best offensive skill player that we've ever had. The kid could do everything on a football field. We threw him the ball less than 15 times the entire season. In the previous season, under the previous staff, we threw him the ball all the time. We let him run it. We let him block because he was your best blocker. We he was the Swiss Army knife. He could do everything. And then this new staff comes in. He doesn't really fit a veer and shoot system. Well, you know, can't use him. He doesn't really fit what we do. Um, it's it's insane. And it was trying to jam a square peg into a round hole. And that's not how you're going to win at USF. You know, especially a system where you're going to rely on, on heavier offensive linemen. You know, both of our schools, and you guys have shown this, you should zone block a lot more, put the ball in playmakers in space. Adrian Killens is legitimately terrifying. 
get him the ball in space and get out of the way. And that's not that's how our program should probably run. We should run up tempo and use skill athletes that we have access to because of the recruiting area that we're in. That's not what USF is doing right now. And you talk about that razor's edge. It becomes a razor's edge because you manage the crap out of these games. You you know, you got a 10-point lead with 12 minutes to go. Well, run it in the run it in the line three times and punt and let's play defense. And that's not how you're going to win. You have to keep attacking downhill. You guys have proven that over two coaching staffs and three seasons. You have to put the ball in the air and attack and attack and kill. And you guys do that better than anybody. And that's why, as USF fans, I think there are some to comparison. And it's very frustrating to see you guys make all the great decisions in terms of clock and scoring game management. We don't. I would also say that I think you guys have definitely gotten a couple of breaks this season. Fair? Oh, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. I just want to make sure even on a UCF podcast, right, like no, Memphis game, well, like you but, guys but got to, to your point, <laughs> to your point, Colin, to your point, don't, like when you get those breaks by being aggressive, don't you sometimes get those benefit of that? Sure. Whereas you play not right. to, to lose, maybe you don't get those breaks. And maybe yeah, that's no, part for of the sure. problem. You make, on some level it is about you make your own luck, for sure. Um, you know, I think maybe even it's gone a little, you know, beyond that at this point. It's like when you guys hit the what 50 yard was a 40 yard hail mary on the last play of the game to split a conference championship whenever that yep. was like yeah. five six years ago. you in 2014 yeah yeah like i mean you know that's just like well you know congratulations uh <laughs> but and the catch the catch at temple in 13 was it with bortles yeah. yeah oh man i mean that was in crazy crazy good play um but like stuff like that you use every time it's on a nice edge if you need to get a fumble recovery you get the fumble recovery and yes but i think part of that is that you guys have a culture of, you know, we're going to go downhill. We're going to stand on your throat. I don't care if we're up five touchdowns. Let's go up six touchdowns. And USF just doesn't do that. And it's symbolized by, you know, third and long, two minutes left. Temple's got a punt last week. And they just let the clock run out because they're getting the ball first. And they feel like, well, good enough. That's that's <laughs> yeah, not good enough. No, that's pretty fair. Yeah. And by the way, to point out, you can talk all about that win-loss record. South Florida did not beat a team with a winning record until their bowl game against Texas Tech last year. Correct. And you could argue that he hasn't really beaten anybody good in his two years there. It's been a pretty good schedule that really probably should be better than that win-loss record, some would argue. But we'll put that on the side because I want to move on to something else. I'm curious, what is the mood of the fan base going into this game? Are they going to show up in this phase? I've, I've read where the, they've opened the, the top. There's 50,000. Now, there's two ways of looking at it. Fans will come in droves, or are they selling those tickets? Uh, what, what, what's kind of the mindset here? And, as, have, and how have they dealt with this stuff that UCF's gone through the last year from their perspective? So, um, I, think I think Mike Kelly said today to Joey Knight, um, I was just glancing at Twitter like while I was at my job, um, but I think he said that they're going to be 50, there's, they've already sold 50K tickets. So, that's awesome. Um, you know, 50, now remember that's going to include all the suites. So here come the UCF attendance jokes and about all, oh, you know, take a picture of our stance. Well, guys, as you guys will see, if you haven't been to the stadium before on Saturday or on Friday, um, we have very, very large club sections and a very, very large suite section because we play in an NFL stadium that's like going to host a Super Bowl in a cup in what a year and a half now. Yeah. Um, so like a lot of our fans, it's hot out. And a lot of our fans are sitting in those club sections enjoying the air conditioning. And you can say that they're not really supporting the team on the field by not being there in the seats and cheering. But um, even if you don't, if you see a lot of empty seats, a lot of times, 
a big chunk of that is in some very nice air conditioned suites with uh, um, good booze and, and good food. Um, so the um, as far as the mood of the fans, look, you know, we never wanted to consider you guys a rival. We never wanted to play in the first place. You know, famously, Leroy kind of got forced into it at a at the point of a bayonet. Um, but we said, all right, we'll play you four games. And we won all four. And it was like, all right, well, they're done. We'll never have to deal with them again. And now that you are on equal footing, and quite frankly, deservedly so, um, it's frustrating to see that we have been surpassed. And I think that goes to... Uh, a, a management um it's a management fault you know this is the accountability goes here it doesn't go to this season it goes back you know five and ten and 15 years and you're seeing the results of that today which is why i'm interested to see where the knights are in five and ten and 15 years based on the decisions that they're making now um are the short-term things that they've done in terms of like national championship representation and all the other stuff and the stuff that you, you, you guys and I were talking about before I came on the air, before we threw the, the record switch, um, you know, are those decisions going to have an ill effect down the road? I don't know. All I know is, is like at Louisville, you know, they really took some chances, did some crazy stuff. And yeah, Tom Jurich got fired. You got a massive basketball scandal and Bobby Petrino's, you know, getting run out of town on a rail. But in the long run, they got a brand new stadium. They got a lot of money, and they're in the ACC, so it mm-hmm. worked out for them. You know, <laughs> like um, they took some, they took a lot of big chances and big swings, and it worked. So, will that be the result for the Knights, or will at some point this kind of boomerang around the other way? I don't know. This will be my last. So. This will be our last question, and we'll let you go. Um, all right, you, Colin Sherwin, <laughs> are being are being named. Imperator of USF Athletics for twenty four hours. You oh can change God. every. You can you can make any policy change you want. You can make any change you want, but you have twenty four hours to implement it. What would it be? Oh boy! Um, in the first six hours, I figure out if I can get somebody better than Charlie Strong, and if I can, I make the move. But if I can't, I absolutely turn over a lot of his staff. I probably promote running backs coach Sean King to OC. Um, he would be my first choice, and I'd really like to see him get a shot. He's a guy who is on, here under Taggart. Um, he's been here with the staff. He's done a great job. The players love and respect him. He's probably the best recruiter on the staff. I'd probably move. I'd bump him up. Um, I can I get a shovel in the ground in, in 24 hours for the indoor practice facility? <laughs> I think that, you know, a lot of USF fans talk about the, your stadium as the reason that you guys have had success. And yes, it has added to your culture and your atmosphere. But I'd say that the reason that you guys are having the culture and atmosphere, you got better players. And the reason you have better players is because you have better facility, um, a lot better facility than we do right now. And getting that indoor practice facility done. Um, if I can go to a bank in that 24 hours and take out like a $40 million loan to get that done instantly, I'd probably do it. Um, what else would I do? Oh, I cancel classes. Twelve hours. Game. <laughs> you got twelve hours. I got twelve go, hours right? left. Yeah. Um, I would cancel. I would cancel classes and any activities on campus the day of the game because, like, you'll see there's a football game going on and there's also like uh, an art show on campus or a the you know the the con- there's a concert or something else that's happening on campus that can't happen. You got to shut your campus down on game day and get everybody in the community pulling one way in one direction. Uh, what else would I do? Um, that's, that's the big stuff. And here's the other thing. 
Um, our new athletic director, Michael Kelly, I think is an absolute rock star, home run hire. We could not have, I literally, I don't think I could have handpicked a better person to run this athletic department anywhere in the, anywhere in the country. Um, he's going to get this thing right. He's going to write this ship. But remember, he got on campus and in this job just barely weeks before the season started. We got to give him a chance to do some things. He's been much more open and accessible than any administrator we've ever had in our history. You know, one of our fans goes out on Twitter and says, hey, let's have a corgi race. You know, I like corgis. Let's have a corgi race during a game. And Mike goes, okay, let's do it. The loudest cheer at the Tulane game was because we had a corgi race on the field during the football game. And the fans loved it and everybody went crazy for it. It was active. It was responsive. It made sense. And that's the kind of department that he's going to run. So I'm really happy. But, like, you got to give that guy a chance to make the changes that are necessary to grow this program where it's got to go. So I'm all in on Mike Kelly. I think he's going to do the right thing by the program in the long run. We're going to make some good decisions in the future here. And I could not be more excited about this program going forward, no matter who the football coach is. Well, but by the way, one quick thing, one dad, the Sean King that you mentioned. Yes, that Sean King, the guy who played for Tulane and played <laughs> for the Bucks, uh, and got yep. within uh, a, uh, a Bird Emanuel rule establishing catch <laughs> of almost taking him to a there Super Bowl go. himself. So, yes. That Sean King is on the USF staff. All right, Colin. Um, well, let me let me throw this one ahead. thing here because we've spent a lot of time talking about off the field stuff, which is fast, always more interesting. I find interesting, but I do. Oh, same. I yeah. know you. I know you don't give the. I know you don't give the team a chance on Friday. But if they were to pull the upset, fill in the blank. South Florida pulls the upset if they do blank. South Florida pulls the upset if they find a way to stop the run, get three turnovers, um, and and take some of those same chances they did against the Knights last year. Like I, you know, they, they, there were some play calls, especially early in the first quarter last year that were like just super frustrating and a lot of what we've seen this year. But, you know, the second half of that game was pretty lights out um, offensively. And I think, you know, just believing in the, you know, believing in the kids, more double moves, you know, more wide receivers crossing over the hash marks. The joke is, is that the hash marks are electric and you can't cross them if you play for USF. <laughs> um, you know, get the ball over the middle of the field. You, you know, hopefully Mitch Wilcox, who is the uh, tight end extraordinary, gets a lot of looks, you know, down the seam, down the middle. Um, that's, you know, the only way. And I just, I don't know how this team with this athleticism, as beat up as they are right now, can stop Milton and Kellen being on the field at the same time. Um, that's so read is terrifying. <laughs> I still, I still think you know something that we don't. I just don't trust it. Um, Colin, really? Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, Jeff's I, just a I'm not used to. Nature. I'm so yeah. Eric knows this just as well. I'm. I am. I am Charlie Brown when it comes to this kind of stuff, man. Is something's going to go wrong? I don't know what it is. I don't even want to think about it. But anyway, uh, Colin Sherwin from the Daily Stampede. Colin, uh, if folks want to send you hate tweets, where can they send them to? Uh, it would be at Colin Sherwin. Um, but. You remember, I'm retired now. Like you, you know, I'm just some regular citizen. I, I don't even like sit in press boxes anymore. Um, so yeah, you can still have, send me hate yeah. mail on Twitter though. That's all awesome. You, you stick, and, you um, stick around. You, you, you can't get too far away from it though. Let's yeah, like, like I, you're, you're kind of like Bob Costas of South Florida. You're kind of away now from covering stuff on NBC, but you're still kind of breaking night. You're, you're still gonna be synonymous yeah. with it. You know what Man, I, mean? I prefer like I prefer the Keith Jackson analogy. Like remember when Keith uh, Jackson retired? And, you know, and, and Bob Greasy dumped the bucket of confetti on him. And then all of a sudden, like, the next year, like, here's Keith Jackson calling the game of the week on ABC. I'm like, what happened to the retirement ceremony that we had during the, the first BCS championship game? But, uh, but yeah, that's the so, analogy I prefer. 
they, they, I did swear off. I made one rule when I quit, and I quit actually after y'all's game last year, um, like our game together. I, I quit, I think, like earlier. I'd already planned on it, and I had, I turned in my thank you, everybody, what, the week after. And I swore I was going to take one year out of press boxes. Um, the only exception I made was because nobody else could go to the women's basketball tournament up at Mohegan Sun, which I go to every year as a fan. Um, so I did sit in the press box for that. Um, but otherwise, it's going to be 365 days between press boxes here. And uh, that's kind of was, was my goal. Um, I wanted to like step away from it and just be a fan and enjoy it um, on the other side for a little bit. Uh, we did this for, you know, eight seasons, basically covering the team, you know, because we didn't think anybody else was doing a, the job that needed to be done. And so, you know, the guys that have taken over have been terrific. And I'm really glad that you guys are getting to build something like that, too. And, you know, trust me, you'll be excited, too, someday when you finally get to pass this thing on to somebody else and and uh, keep it going just because, you know, we need you need some sort of people that really care passionately about the program um, to share the good news when it's good and to call stuff out when it's bad. And so, um, you know, I'm just glad you guys are on board. And uh Welcome to the team, guys. You've done hell of a job so far, that's for sure. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. And we wanted to give a shout-out also to uh, Bulls uh, on Twitter, Bulls Nathan SBN, Connor Aikman, A-K-E-M-A-N, Nick Simon, T-D-S, Robert Steeg, Life, S-T-E-E-G, and Anthony Vito underscore. Those are the Twitter handles of the currently active Daily Stampede staff. You can follow the Stampede at Stampede SBN, Stampede SBN, where uh, I'm told that there might be a memorial actually put up for the man who we just got done talking to, Colin Sherwin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thanks once again, buddy. And uh, and will we see you? I won't be there in Tampa, but I know um, Eric oh, wow, and Brian really? are heading down there. Yeah, I won't be able to make it, but um, but uh, Brian and Eric will be down there. Uh, where will we be able to catch up with you? Uh, just come say hi. Actually, you guys, um, shoot me a message. I'll send, I'll, you're invited to the tailgate. We'd love to have you. Um, it's always good times and, uh, we got a pretty good prime spot, like right next to the stadium, which is always good. Um, so I will be, uh, you know, come find, I, I usually tend to move around like every quarter, like, you know, I have a, you know, I can sit a couple of different places. So I usually sit in one seat for a quarter and then I move around and go sit somewhere else. But I will probably finish this game off in the suites cause, um, Either I'm going to need to drink drink the bar dry after what I think is going to happen, or I don't want to like really be involved in any altercations with random people fighting each other. If what you're trying other to do, happens, what you're trying so. to do is avoid people who recognize you. I get it. <laughs> I really try sometimes, especially especially for this game. Um, I, I think I've told this story before. You guys, uh, my roommate used to be Rocky uh, back when I was still working for the program and just after I had graduated. And um, y'all tried to beat the crap out of our mascot in the parking lot yeah. one time. Now I now I didn't do that. No. It wasn't you, us personally. Some some nights fans, some and then you know, y'all chucklehead Lord's tires and stuff, and all sorts of crazy stuff has happened over the years. So I just sort of like to lay low on this game, and you know, stay out of the way. <laughs> we got to we, we got to get you back here. We 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 have to we have to reestablish the connection. This has to be some. We have to turn this into like a Big Ten style rivalry where you know from from whistle to whistle it's it's not good, but then afterwards it's like we all get together and have brats or something. Colin Sherman. You got it, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> thanks for having us on. Or thanks for having us on. Thank, thank you for taking time for us. We'll see you in Tampa, all right? Thanks, buddy. All right, thanks again to Colin. Uh, again, 3.30 kick on Friday, UCF uh, against South Florida from Raymond James Stadium uh, on ESPN if you're going to be watching it. Um, by the way, they, they are opening up that upper deck, like you said, Eric. Some, that's uh, what, 50,000 tickets? That's fascinating. That yeah. is fascinating. 
um, because does that mean there's a lot of UCF fans coming? Are, are South Florida fans actually going to show up to this game, which they haven't done all year, but they show up for this game? I'm very fascinated by that. Yeah. But it sounds like we're going to get a great crowd. Yeah, so it should be fun. Um, again, Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, you know, don't go shopping. Just do it all online. Um, and, and watch well, the game. Well, you got time it's, to be shop, <laughs> but it's like a 4 o'clock kick, but just make sure you right. get there before the kick. All right, so... All right, so we had a couple other things that we wanted to um, that, that we wanted to tell you about. Also, you know, by the way, um, there is UCF there or there are rather UCF sports uh, happening just before Thanksgiving. No way! Wait, there's something else going on other than football. Are you oh yeah! Me? In fact, you know they uh, also have a 23 game uh, winning streak going their way. It's UCF volleyball. Eric Lopez, 26 and three, 17 and 0 in the American, coming off of their last road weekend of the regular season where they swept SMU on Friday uh, to clinch the outright American Athletic Conference um, championship uh, and then beat Houston in four on Sunday. Uh, they have one regular season match to go, and it is the War on I-4 match the day before Thanksgiving, Wednesday at 7 at the venue. Senior night for that one as the Knights look to uh, win number 24 in a row and at least for the moment surpass football. Can you believe that we're actually talking about that? Two, two teams on campus in the fall with 23-game winning streaks heading into Thanksgiving weekend. Is this unbelievable or what? I don't know how many has that ever happened before in any school, let alone obviously it's never happened here. Maybe maybe if it has, it's very, very rare. Like but, what schools uh, would have been good at that in order for that to happen? Like I don't know, maybe USC? The only thing I could think of would be maybe like a spring thing, like a baseball softball programs right. that are really good and both had long winning streaks, you know. Yeah. But it, but fall is even harder with football and, and and you know or volleyball or soccer or some combination like that. Look, big win to sweep on the road. They got the big win with South Florida. I think the big question is selection Sunday night, which mm-hmm. is the Sunday night after Thanksgiving. You know, I think UCF's got. I felt UCF has to win out just to have a shot to host. Their RPI is at 10 at this recording. By the way, the polls still stayed at 21. They're not moving up. I mean, you talk about they're not getting respect. They're still stuck at 21. And, Jeff, it's going to come down to, I think, them in Florida. Who hosts? And, um, yeah. you know, that's my that's going to be the big question there. And uh, I, could t- I, I still maintain I don't think they're going to host. I have a bad feeling they're going to give it to Florida based on what I've seen from the committee do when they've given programs like Penn State who have – RPIs in the high teens, but yet they are in the top 10 national seed when they came out a couple weeks ago with that. I'm concerned that I think UCF is going to have to be sent to Florida because Florida just came up with Mary Wise coming off the national championship runner-up. Might get the benefit of the doubt, which is unfortunate because I think, and I've said this about softball and other sports, these Olympic sports uh, don't uh, fail at creating new markets for their sports. Uh, I felt I was very outspoken about that when UCF didn't host in softball in 2015. And I, and I would say the same thing here. Here's an opportunity for the committee, a team that's earned it, to be a top 10 RPI that's won the, as many matches as they have. Here's an opportunity to host a volleyball NCAA tournament in Orlando, something you haven't done before. Why not do that instead of the same old, same old, let's just do the same schools over and over and not grow the sport. So that's kind of my two cents on that. The good news is, and I know you allude to this, I don't think this team cares either way because I think the way they're playing, they feel they could beat anybody wherever they play. Yeah, and let's not forget the last time they went to Gainesville, they beat USC and should have beaten Florida. So they're not afraid of playing in that environment. Um, But I agree. 
if the committee wants to do the right thing, they will allow UCF to host. Um, but I'm worried that they won't do the right thing, as most committees do. So, um, <laughs> I, I, but first things first, take care of business against USF um, yep. and cap the season. Make this harder on the committee. Don't drop a match right. to South Florida and make it give them an out. Don't give them an out. Win that match. Finish strong. Hey, by the way, it's points for the I-4 trophy, too. Yeah. So it's not like – and but, a chance to go perfect, Jeff, in the conference. Right. Last year. Wichita State did, right? Right. I mean, we thought that that would have been impossible to replicate was what Wichita State did last year going 21 – or excuse me, 20-0 and 0, um, in the league. UCF stands on the precipice of – they shortened the schedule this year, but they stand on the precipice of 18-0 and 0 in the American – and uh, and fifteen and zero at home if they can finish it off on Wednesday night again seven p.m. at the venue. Um, do yourself a favor, stay off the roads, come to UCF volleyball. It's okay, your folks will forgive you. Um, the uh, and then again, like you said, then then it's just waiting time until Sunday for the um, for the uh, selection show. So I will pass details along to you on our Twitter account UCF underscore banner at uh, for that, and we'll be covering the match on Wednesday as well. I'll be there for PA. Um, should be fun. Um, now, that's the good news. The sad news was uh, last night. Men's soccer. Um, in the second round of the NCAAs, they got the bye through the first round. They faced Lipscomb, who upset Washington to get to UCF. Um, number nine team in the country. And, you know, there was something was awry about this game in the first half. UCF didn't jump out to a lead. Um, they went scoreless. They go to overtime, and Lipscomb gets uh, an overtime goal. And gets out of there with a one nothing golden goal win and ends UCF season um, in heartbreaking fashion. I, I I wrote earlier that you know that this this stupid game of soccer. It's you can play UCF did outplay Lipscomb in this game and didn't get the result like you always talk about Eric and 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 that's unfortunate because this team deserved to have a longer run. Than, than what they got. They finished the season 13-3-3. and um, But still, in the history of, the, uh, of, of UCF men's soccer, they have not gotten past the second round of the NCAA tournament. But, you know, all that said, you know, here they, uh, as they look forward to next year, you know, they're, they don't have to rebuild quite so much. And um, you, know, you never know what sort of luck is going to come your way. But, it, it, I don't know. It was just sad to see the season end like that because this team had such an incredible year. It was. And first of all, props to Lipscomb. to beat Washington, fly all the way to Orlando, beat UCF to get to a yeah. Sweet 16. That's incredible for that program. Um, and for UCF, I feel like we're cursed in a way because I, you, everything you, how you described the match reminded me of the women's opening round match last year against Washington State where they outplayed Washington yeah. State but gave up an own goal early e- in that first yeah. half. Eerily similar. Eerily yeah. similar to that. So you feel like it's some sort of bugaboo uh, curse or something. I don't know. I mean, uh, maybe we should just change to your advice. You've called for this. Maybe we should just change the name to like Michelle Aker Stadium just to change the voodoo <laughs> or something. I don't know. Play it, but, in, uh, play it in Spectrum. <laughs> something. I don't know. But heck of a year. Let's. I mean, we forget that. I mean, this team achieved more than I think, even though they were preseason fix, picks in the American. I don't know how many people thought they would be a, a national seed uh, in the year in just year two of Coach Calabrese's. I had interviewed him last week. And remember, they lost one of the best players to ever, you know, play at UCF. And Matias graduating. You know, we were wondering who was going to replace mm-hmm. him. And boy, Cal Jennings did that and then some. And then all of the talented players they did. So 
Uh, I, I think they're ahead of schedule there, and I think it's only the beginning. But, you know, so I know it's short-term, it's disappointing. And like I said, soccer is cruel that way. You don't have to be the better team to win. Um, and it happened on an overtime goal. But, you know, short-term that hurts. But I think long-term they'll take pride. They won the American Conference regular season title. Uh, they hosted a conference tournament. I mean, it's the first regular season t- conference championship since 04 when they were in the A-Sun, to put it in perspective. Yeah. and. Uh, I think Scott Calabrese has established this program now as a top 25 program here moving forward. And, you know, with Coach Sahadak and, you know, hopefully they'll regroup there. I think – I don't think it's unreasonable here, Jeff, to bring this up. And I don't know – you know, there was always questions about this, a couple questions. Some people always wondered, you know, should UCF have men's soccer? Some people have always wanted to have, for example, men's track and field or, you know, things like that because they wanted to steal some football players on there, whatever. That's a whole other side story. The other one is that can men's soccer – be successful in the shadow of this women's soccer program and i think the answer is yes now and i think there's possible that we could have two top 25 soccer programs here in the coming years i think you're right and i think very well in the coming years we could very well have it next year because don't forget yeah. um the only key players that that will be graduating walker dawkins is a senior uh ricardo Oliveros is a senior um, a couple of the other guys, you know, made some contributions, but those are your, those are probably your top two guys right there. Yannick Edel, the goalkeeper, comes back. He's a sophomore. Cal Jennings is a is listed as a junior. Steiniger also um, uh, graduates. He was a senior uh, on the back line, but um, but Coach Calabrese's uh, recruiting class coming in this year, you know, he seems to have, he seems to have pulled the right strings in order to reload for um, for twenty nineteen. So. Um, assuming that those who are scheduled to be seniors come back, including Cal Jennings, boy, that could be interesting. He could be in the running for uh, national goal scoring leader last year on the on the level of um, of Andre Shinyashiki of the University of Denver last year. So um, again, but and maybe one day we'll be able to actually see maybe that schedule change. I wonder how that would affect men's soccer in the future. I know, I know that won't happen definite for definite for next year, but. Um, uh, who knows? There's, I think there's some good things on the horizon for men's soccer. So, um, it's just sad to see the season end as it did. But we wanted to congratulate those guys and congratulations to the seniors as well on a job well done this year um, in, in all the hard work that um, that they've put in. Um, another thing we wanted to talk about here: how about basketball, man? And as we, and this will be the last thing before we get going, but. <clears throat> but both teams, uh, UCF men's basketball and UCF women's basketball in action over the weekend. Oh, by the way, you may have missed it. But um, I wanted to lead with uh, women's uh, as they went up to uh, Mercer, took care of business by 34 points over uh, Mercer in Macon, 76 to uh, 42 on Sunday um, at, uh, at Hawkins Arena. Leading scorer for UCF, uh, KK Wright with 16. Also 10 for Masni Kaba. Um, in the starting lineup, and uh, and this team just got. Let's see, I'm I'm rolling through everybody who played scored uh, for UCF. She's got depth this year. She's got yeah. depth. And I gotta tell you something. I mean, they crushed Mercer, which was an NCAA tournament team, by the way, and the team that could score normally. They held them uh, to 14 points in the second half. This defense is still good. They've always been good under Coach A, but they're good. They're long. They're lengthy. They're deep. Uh, this Sydney McDonald kid looks like the real deal. Uh, and this might be her best team yet. And this could be an NCAA tournament team. It's early. I get you that. So, I, you know, but, I mean, they're 3-0 and on the road going into Central Michigan, and, and then they'll finally have the home opener over Thanksgiving weekend. But they've been impressive with their defense. And if, as long as they can defend, and they look like they got more 
depth and more options that can put the ball in the basket, uh, this team could be a top 25 team before New Orleans and, and maybe challenge South Florida for that two spot like you know, like last year, challenge for that two spot in the American. I'm not going to go crazy and say challenge UConn because nobody challenges UConn. But yeah. they could be a two or three in the American and maybe – maybe get over the – remember, there was a, this was just a team that was on the outside looking in last year. They've been to the NIT the last two years. I think this team is deep in it with the size. As long as they stay healthy, could be over the hump and get them into the tournament. Yeah, it, it's it, – it, the, 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 we're seeing this team sort of very quietly put it together. I was worried KK about – Wright has stepped up big time. Yeah. And, and Wright, 16 points. I mean, she this is a score. She is a weapon, and, and you, I'm glad you made the point about Sidney McDonald because – you know, in two years, you need to have that outside shooting threat. And you know, even though even though Sydney was only two of nine, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, from from the floor, she was still that presence on the outside that opened up things for KK to drive the lane and for Masini to get inside as well. So, um, and and she's running this you know, interestingly enough. You know, Coach Abe running a two a two point guard alignment out there um, with KK and Jamisha Paul. And Jamisha Paul, you know, put up uh, seven points and two assists as well. So, um, so we're going to see how that how that storyline um, unfolds. Next game up for UCF women's basketball, uh, as they are now three and zero on the season. They are at Central Michigan uh, Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving at five p.m. That game's on ESPN Plus. It's worth checking out. And then this weekend they have a Thanksgiving tournament against Richmond on Saturday, and Villanova. On Sunday, those are both afternoon games. Check out UCFNights.com for some of the details on that. So three games coming up this week on Thanksgiving week, non-conference. It's going to be busy for UCF women's basketball. Now, that takes us to men's basketball. And boy, have they figured it out. Since that ugly, ugly loss to FAU, um, blowing that 20-point lead, um, they go up to the Myrtle Beach Tournament and... I don't know about you, Elo, but something looks like it has clicked with this team in a hurry um, because they go 3-0 and at the Myrtle Beach Invitational. They win the tournament. Aubrey Dawkins is the American Athletic Conference Player of the Week. They finish it off by knocking off Western Kentucky, uh, right. 78-62, to um, and taking this uh, tournament championship uh, in the first ever Myrtle Beach Invitational. You know, the first two games, they just looked like they were out of sync. And I think that part of the big problem was that Aubrey hadn't found his spot, right? You know, we know how talented he is. We know how, uh, we know the dimension that he brings to not just the defense, but the offense. But he hasn't, he just hadn't quite figured out the the proper, his proper spot in the flow. Boy, did he figure it out this weekend to the tune of three victories um, for UCF and uh, and and lo and behold, all the things that we were worried about after that FAU game, I think those worries have been silenced for the moment. Well, you sometimes there's the cliche about the wake up call, mm-hmm. and maybe that Florida Atlantic kind of collapse, if you will, in the second half. They're blowing the lead. Maybe it was a wake up call because let's be honest, this team has gotten a lot of positive press. I mean, we talked earlier about football and getting respect. This team has gotten a lot of respect prior to the year. I mean. Andy Katz was talking about this team being a sleeper Final Four, being the Loyola Chicago. So this team had the opposite, and that they've gotten a lot of praise without really doing anything on the court. And I think sometimes you read, you know, remember we keep forgetting this, Jeff, and and, and fans forget this. And, and the, we're we're talking about young kids that are seventeen to twenty two year old, and sometimes you know 
they're seven. They act like seventeen to twenty-two year olds, you know. So if everybody tells you how good you are, you tend to believe it sometimes. And I think that's kind of what happened. And I think that FAU game maybe it was a wake-up call. And I think the best thing was they got on the road. They went to Myrtle Beach, and they were able to focus in Conway, South Carolina. They beat Cal State Fullerton. They beat them handily. Beat St. Joseph handily with a very well good coach and Phil Martelli and company. And then they beat a very good Western Kentucky team with Rick Stansbury. Now, Western Kentucky upset West Virginia to get there. Uh, so some might say, well, it's disappointing you don't get West Virginia on that resume. But I will point out, Western Kentucky is the preseason favorite to win Conference USA. And they're, they are expected to be in the NCAA tournament as well. And I think they're pretty – and obviously they showed that by beating West Virginia – and, you know, UCF had some early struggles. B.J. Taylor didn't play well early, much in that game, and yet UCF was in it. And Aubrey Dawkins was a stud, and they pulled away and won. And uh, you're right. I, I think this team is fine. It's so early, and that's the beauty of college basketball. It's not like football. A loss in November doesn't kill you. Uh, if anything, it can help you moving forward, maybe refocus, find some, learn some things about yourself. So uh, it was really positive to see them uh, dominate in that tournament. And beat some. Uh, I think Western Kentucky is going to turn out to be a pretty good win, and uh, you know now they got to keep focus and build positives and build on that as they go home uh, here for Northern Kentucky on Saturday, and then a big one at uh, hosting Alabama on Thursday, November 29th, and then at we want Missouri. Bama. <laughs> we got them finally. Y'all wanted them. Don't overlook Northern Kentucky team, though. Do not overlook Northern Kentucky. So I think this will be a good test for this team, Jeff. Can they be mature enough and focus and lock in and take care of Northern Kentucky and don't get caught looking ahead to Alabama? Don't do another FAU situation there. Take care of Northern Kentucky. We'll find out. You know what? I've really been impressed with it. It, one of the lineup changes that um, Coach Dawkins made, and we saw that saw this work, was he's basically moved B.J. Taylor over to the two. Yep. And Terrell Allen is, is, is essentially your point guard right now and your distributor. And I think that's worked because, you know, BJ was pulling double duty essentially as the point guard and then come crunch time um, as the guy who's who, who, who sort of takes over. But now I think with him moving over to the two, he's able to sort of pick his spots a little bit better and you can let and you can let Terrell run the offense. And that worked in Myrtle Beach. It did. It did really did. And Terrell's played well this year. He stepped up his game. He's improved. He's earned that spot. Yeah. And um Look, I think there's still a lot of high hopes with this team. I know FAU was disappointing, but I think there's still high hopes with this team, and it's just, you know, they just got to be consistent, and let's see how they handle that against Northern Kentucky and moving forward. But that was a very strong showing in the Myrtle Beach. And listen, I think they're 27th, actually, in the polls that came out Monday. So they're still outside. I'm telling you, Jeff, can you you ever remember a UCF team getting this much of a benefit of the doubt and respect? Yeah. Benefit in basketball of the doubt. or any sport like this. Think about that. Well, I, you know, the the, um, the buzz has been there. I mean, well, this year for football, for one. I mean, that, that, that's, that's certainly some, the first well, time for some that. Some fans would argue that they haven't gotten the respect. In football. Well, I mean, they, they got the benefit of the doubt at the start of the season by starting ranked in the preseason. I think I think that's key. But in terms of UCF basketball, um, you know, it took the, the one time that they were ranked, you know, it took them beating Florida in order to earn that. Right. Right. And, you know, now – they're right on the cusp of it. They could break into the top 25 with a win against Alabama, but like you said, they can't look past Northern Kentucky. No. Um, because, you know, they have no. that stretch against those two SEC teams, home for Alabama and then at Mizzou to start the month of December. Yeah, we're going to learn a lot there. Yeah, we're going to learn a lot in that two-game stretch. Then you have three non-conference games against non-power conference opponents uh, before you start conference play on January 2nd. So, 
going to well, be key and for and us Mike to Oresco watch them. said this. Mike Oresco, and, and this is where the American, I think, has helped this. Because UCF's the favorite in the American, I think that's added some respect. Because I think basketball, people look at the American as a multiple-bid league, mm-hmm. and UCF's the preseason favorite. I think that's helped. So credit, again, to the American uh, for helping UCF basketball uh, getting this respect. Because I, I I don't know, Jeff, tell me if I'm wrong. If, if UCF basketball was still in Conference USA or the A-Sun, maybe they don't get this buzz. I think you're right. I think you're right about that. So um, we'll be keeping an eye on men's basketball as they wrap up. By the way, um, here's what we've got on Black and Gold Banneret as we wrap it up here uh, on this incredibly long extended podcast. Cool. But, um, hey, if you're driving around, you know, driving down to visit the folks in Thanksgiving, the I'm Thanksgiving sure this Thanksgiving festival. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure that I'm, I'm hoping that we at least helped you, helped you get through this drive on Wednesday night. Um, <clears throat> Derek Warden has his uh, latest photo gallery up with some beautiful photos from the Ryder and FAU game. Almost makes you forget that UCF lost that FAU game. Um we have uh, Luke Saris uh, telling us why he thinks UCF deserves to be ranked in the top six. Uh, Eric, you feel free to disagree with that all you want. but um... I don't disagree with it. It's just not going to happen. Like, um, we... here's the th- it's not going to happen. Like, if Ohio State beats Michigan. Stop right there. Forward. We're not going to do. No, 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 no. Just, just no, no, no. This podcast has gone long enough. No, I just <laughs> don't want to disappoint people because I think let's not give them false hope and fool's gold. It's real simple. If Ohio State beats Michigan and beats Northwestern, they're going to be ahead of UCF in the rankings, whether you like it or not. If Ohio State loses to Michigan, UCF's going to be ahead of Ohio State. So it's kind of a moot point. Well, we've got that. Um, a, a little bit from the from the mothership. Uh, Alex Kirshner mm-hmm. talking about how he thinks UCF should jump Ohio State in the CFP rankings. Uh, we have your update on the TV numbers as well, yeah. uh, which was tremendous. Um, and, of course, our recaps from College Game Day. Um, <clears throat> including um, you know all the uh, video clips that we had. Uh, and we're also going to take a look at some of the best signs this week um, as well. And I will have a look back at Lee Corso's headgear, um, headgear selection, some of the inside story of that for you as well here uh, this week on uh, Black and Gold Banneret. So uh, where are you going for Thanksgiving, Eric? I'll be in town and home. I don't know yet exactly what we're doing. I'll just leave it as that. <laughs> um, Eric Lopez. But I do want to say props to Brian Murph, who we gave yes. the show off. He's taking a nice deserved break. Uh, worked his tail off. Was at media availability Friday. Was at fo- uh, game day Saturday. Was at the football game. I don't even know. I don't even want to ask what time he left the press box. I just know he's usually the last one. So I'm guessing it was in the morning hours, if you will. Um, and he put out some great content and, uh, Salute to him, a salute to Derek, a salute to our staff, salute to you, Jeff, and uh, I thought, you know, for our coverage, and thank you to everybody. Uh, we had I had feedback from fans that came up to me and talked to me that uh, some of you uh, agreed with me and not so much with Jeff, and some people are saying that, uh, you know, made it clear that you agreed with Jeff and not so much with my opinion. That's cool. That's, that's the beauty of this is we try to – and I always come into this philosophy. Bill Walton once said, when everybody's thinking alike, no one's thinking. And I hope that what we try to do, and I hope people realize this, we try to give you different perspectives to make you think uh, of different avenues instead of just trying to give you one point of view. We're trying to give you multiple point of views and cover UCF like nobody else does, and I think we successfully accomplished that with game day and the week that a historical week. So a salute, of course, for Jeff, who did a phenomenal job at the site, uh, and there are staff, entire staff, who contributed uh, to this incredible monster week, and we'll continue here as we go down the stretch. It's gone by so quickly. I, you know, it's hardly. I can hardly believe that it even. Um, 
happen the way that it did. But um, and we're still and we're still pumping out content from. We'll have plenty coming up from the War on I four as well from Friday as well. And I also want to personally thank you know everybody who helped out with this. Matt uh, 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 Murph certainly. Um, the hard work that he does is just it's astounding. I mean, you guys just have no idea how hard that man works. He's the an amazing writer he is, and um, and everybody that you know straight down the line. Luke Saris who's helped us out. Derek Warden. These these photographs he's been taking um, mm. this year has just been just remarkable, absolutely remarkable. And we're so thankful and lucky to have him as part of the staff helping us out and making um, everything look so incredible. Um, it's uh, you know Jeremy Brenner has helped us out so much with uh, with all the work he's done, and we had uh, and we had Chris Carter back in the fold with a little pep talk for uh, the UCF fans heading into the game on Friday, and I think they certainly heeded his advice on on that as well. So, um, so yeah, it's just been, uh, and, and I also wanted to thank also Zach Goodall who just had a spectacular breakdown too of Cincinnati's front, and what he said basically came true because um, those two defensive linemen for Cincinnati ended up leaving the game um, and that's really helped out UCF because they were causing havoc in the early going so um, so that was that so that was spot on and uh, and like I said you know, if you have if you don't follow us at black and gold com, make sure you do because you're missing out at this point on some of the best um, UCF related content uh, on the on the web right now uh, you can follow us at UCF underscore banneret follow me individually at Jeff underscore Sharon follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo and I got a Twitter list on uh, UCF underscore Banneret as well with uh, with all of us that you can follow for all the latest news uh, related to UCF and some of the other things that we do uh, as well. Don't forget also Facebook.com slash uh, Black and Gold Banneret. Eric, uh, safe travels uh, wherever you may be heading on Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, but I'll see you. Uh, we'll be talking again by Friday, I'm sure. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Night fans, enjoy it. If uh, we don't talk before the football game, go uh, run up that score on the Bulls, if they say. Uh, <laughs> and, and be nice and uh, thankful to everybody there. And uh, Jeff, you as well. Have a have happy Thanksgiving, sir. Yeah, thank you so much. And hey, everybody, if you're heading down to Tampa or wherever you may be traveling this Thanksgiving week, show up, show out, have fun, be nice. Everybody stay in your lane. And, you know, like I said, just please drive home safely and be careful out there. It's the busiest travel weekend of the year. And um, and uh, we want to see you all make it through. Uh, certainly make it through Friday if you're heading out to. Um, uh, if you're heading out to Tampa, um, it should be uh, a fun week once again for uh, all UCF sports. Indeed, I will be back at UCF volleyball on Wednesday and watching the game uh, from home on Friday. But um, yeah, again, just uh, enjoy yourselves. Please drive, fly, boat, whatever you decide to do safely. For all of us here in Black and Gold Banneret. Uh, and for Eric Lopez co-hosting with me today, I'm Jeff Sharon. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.